Hello, and welcome to Decades Podcast Season 2. This is a podcast where three hosts and the occasional guest watch a couple of movies, one from a previous decade all the way back to the 19-teens, and one from the now times. And then we talk about movies, we talk about history, trivia, culture, society, and for Season 2, we get to talk about politics. And now, on to the episode. This whole country just like my flock of sheep. We want to know what you intend to give away to the communists. He will bring destruction to our traditions. He looked in his heart and he thought in all humility how he'd like to try and change things. Rip off this city for a hundred grand? Yeah. It's, a, it's a groovy thing to do. I propose to demand from the House the immediate removal of the President of the United States. Easy when it's not your life, easy when it's not your home, but when it's your fault, it shouldn't be so easy to sleep at night. Hi, welcome to Decades Podcast. My name is Deb Kuykendall. I'm Nicole Westry. Steve Krupka. I'm Jacob Kagendahl. And you might have noticed there's a guy named Steve Krupka in the lineup. Uh, he's our guest today. Hooray! Hello, Hooray. Steve. Hi. Uh, Steve and I have worked together multiple times at different huge corporations. Yes. Name them. Name that chain. <laughs> Which is the worst place you ever worked? Yeah, but I'm going to have to take the fifth on that one. Uh, full disclosure, I got laid off last week, so that's oh, my least favorite one. And you're supposed to give the date now. Oh, right. So, uh, what is today? September 23rd, yeah, 2017, right. I believe. And we're going to start giving the date because we're talking about current events, and these uh, podcasts are released relatively, uh, you know, like a couple months after we record them. So mm-hmm. when we talk about current events, by the time these are released, they won't be quite as current. Yeah, that's right. Although they're getting closer together than they used to be. <laughs> than they used to, used to be one a minute, but now it's yeah, they're they're spacing them out a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, Mom said they, but she means the her government. And me. <laughs> uh, no, the episode. Oh no, I meant the current events. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Uh, okay, so uh, what do we do on this podcast? We watch. Well, you are, you the listener have already heard what we do on this podcast because there's an intro, right? Probably, unless you forgot so. to put it on there. So we watched two movies, one from 1923 called The Silent Command, which was about um, people trying to blow up the Panama Canal. Mm. <laughs> and then the other movie we watched was called The East from 2013, which is about a spy who infiltrates an eco-terrorism group yeah. uh, to try to find out what they're up to, I guess. I mean, they're kind of eco-terror. They're kind of general terrorism. Well, they're specifically environmental role. I don't know, that medi- the, doc- yeah, the, the medical oh, you're right. stuff yeah. was not at all environmental. Well, maybe they just hate corporations. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> They're freeganists. I know uh, that one. They're freegans. So they, they aren't freegans, though. What? All right. But what the hell's a freegan? We'll get there. Yeah, we'll yeah. get there. <laughs> um, so uh, near, uh, what we typically do is synopsize the first movie, or the older movie first. Oh, so, well, what are we doing this time? That's what we're going to do. Oh, okay. <laughs> So we're gonna, somebody's going to synopsize the silent command. Also, oh. I sound extremely sibilant right now. Oh, I'm sorry, Steve. <laughs> oh. You have to tell us what happened in that silent movie. Well, so there were spies, and there was a plot to blow up the uh, Panama Canal, 
Although the, the means of doing so were kind of vague, I thought. I mean, there well, was, they were going to try to use. There was like mines, but right. They, yeah. They were going to try to use the mines that the Navy had placed there. Right. So let's go in order, though. So I'm going to take <laughs> the reins away from Steve. Yes, that's probably for the best. <laughs> I can probably synopsize the East if you want to synopsize the Silent Command. I can try, but when I was watching it, I was trying to think if I could do it. But, <laughs> yes. Well, best, best ever. Very circular. So there is a plantation in Panama, which appears to be... It's a sugar plantation. And there's Navy people who work out of it, apparently, I think out of the main the house. the governor's mansion. Is it the governor's I mansion? Think so. Was there yeah, potentially more than maybe. one <laughs> location? It's hard to tell. Uh, uh, spies are bugging it because they want to blow up the Panama Canal for reasons that are never revealed. Mm-hmm. And or where they're from? Well, it's because oh, yeah, or what country they hate from. America's freedom, like all terrorists. Right. That's right. Well, I'm sure. Unless in the 20s, that's the not the opposite or whatever. <laughs> well. Uh, I'll just put in a little bit of history here. One of the things that I read about, I tried to read about, you know, what was our feeling about spies and espionage during mm-hmm. the period that this movie was made. And, it, you know, it was between World Wars One and Two, and people were worried about spies, and uh, a lot of, they were From significantly worried about communism. Worried about? Okay. Because the communists had had their revolution and were, you know, threatening to take over the world with communism at the time. Yeah, just like now, am I right, folks? <laughs> okay, then then what happened? <laughs> so, uh, so they overheard that there was a map that showed where, the location of the mines. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bela Lugosi character, Bela Lugosi is in this movie, by the way. Well, it, was, it was his first. <laughs> it was his first American movie. He had been in movies in uh, Hungary or Romania. Austria, Hungary. Hungry? Uh, <laughs> uh, I know he was born in Romania, but I think he might have been acting in Hungary. I'm not sure. I think that's what IMDb said, yeah. There you go. Okay. So, uh, yeah, it was Bela Lugosi's first movie. He's the villain. He's the head spy. His, him, Histon? Histon? Histon, I believe. <laughs> we all just shrugged and looked at each other. And None the, of us know. The hero's, the hero's name is definitely Decatur. This is a silent film, so we never heard it spoken out loud. <laughs> um, so they try to steal, the bad guys sneak into the mansion to try to steal the map, but they can't get the safe open, so they start a fire. That is a dumb plan. This <laughs> plan is dumb as hell. And I think it's the Admiral's house? No, it's the Governor. Oh, is he the Governor? The Admiral and the Governor were the same person as far as I was concerned. When I, I was think that movie. the Governor's house is a separate location from the sugar plantation. I don't think there was a sugar plantation. That was the cover that the spies were using to get in. They were saying there were plantation people just looking around. But they were at the ruined tower on this plantation (laughs) at the end of the movie. Yep, that was where they bugged them from, from the ruined tower. I don't know if these are separate places, but in my mind they were separate. In my canon. Well, what happened was they set a fire. The guy that they want to have come down, open the safe, does exactly as they wish. Uh, and then they knock him out, but then our hero, Decatur, comes down, and they have a big brawl, and yeah. the, the map gets burned. Mm-hmm. And yes. then he goes to Washington, D.C. to deliver the information to the I Office guess. of Naval Intelligence. Yeah. I kind of know where the mines are. <laughs> to the Office of Naval Intelligence, which I learned yesterday was established in 1882 and is the oldest intelligence agency that we have now. Okay. It still exists? Yes. It's still out there? Yeah. For now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, for now. Okay. Um, So 
Then what happens? <laughs> then what did happen? Uh, I know that oh. they spies oh. hire a seductive lady. Yes. That's in Washington, D.C. In Washington, yes, D.C. They also go to the uh, graduation of the cadets from Annapolis. Just for fun, right? Yes, and at, later in the movie they watch clips of a Navy Army game where Navy wins, but that's Yay. not right. <laughs> okay. This is, well, when we, this is when we meet the Admiral, and he's saying how he's coming home to watch his son's graduation, and he can reunite with his family. And right. Oh, and uh, Decatur has a family, and he has a wife and two children. Which and we learn later is yeah. the daughter of yeah. the Admiral. <laughs> Much later. They did yes. not connect those dots no. very well for it us. It basically took the whole movie for us to figure out that the Admiral, Decatur, uh, the Admiral's daughter, who's married to Decatur, and the Admiral's son... They all live together in the same house. <laughs> it's a giant compound. Really. Instead of yes. quiverful <laughs> admirals in the Navy. Uh, I never really got understood the the bad guy's plan, even <laughs> through the whole movie. Just it, snippets here and there. While in Washington, D.C. to deliver the plans, he meets with the head of the ONI, but the head of the ONI says, I'm not really the head of the ONI. This man, this secret man in the shadows, is actually the head, and you're going to sit down and have a talk with him. And they do have a talk mm, where he talks about having to do things undercover. But they never explicitly say, you're going undercover. Yeah, he says it in such a way that sort of like explains his presence like, oh, I'm the head, but I went undercover. And sometimes that's necessary. And it's like a dot, dot, dot. Right. Fade yeah. to black. <laughs> well, they don't do dot, dot, dot. It's all hyphens. In, you know, <laughs> all hyphens and no periods. No, no commas. Yeah. Um, so apparently he goes undercover, but we, when we're watching the movie, we're not sure what's happening. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, he allows the seductress to seduce him, and he gets drunk and goes home, and his wife breaks up with him because he refuses not to see that She's woman. great. That I love woman. her. It's, it's those music boxes she has. Those are really compelling. <laughs> and the clock. Don't and all that wine or alcohol? And what is it? I don't know. And people, the men in this movie are smoking constantly. Yeah. Big cigars. <laughs> so that was a feature. Um, so yeah, he lets her seduce him. Uh, the Bela Lugosi character is not 100% convinced that he's... He... He... Oh, something else happens. He goes to a a bar, wherever they are, where they're eating and whatnot, mm -hmm. and he's drunk and he's sitting with the spy girl, Dorothy. Is her name Dorothy uh, or is it Peg? Girl. Oh, Peg Williams, right. Mm -hmm. Peg. He's eating with he's eating a meal or having drinks with Peg Williams and everyone else is there as well. His wife is there, the brother's there, the admiral's there. Oh, did we mention that they've gotten a divorce at this point? Right. They, they're and not divorced yeah, yet. Yeah, she filed for divorce. She filed for she divorce. Filed for divorce. Newspaper and divorce. this happens after yes. that. So it was right. really uncomfortable had... for her to see him there yeah. with her, right. with the other woman. So uh, one of the spies is there, and he is pretending to make eyes at Peg Williams, the other spy, as if he, as if they don't know each other. Uh, and the point of that is for Decatur to be ups drunkenly upset and go and punch him, which he does. Yeah. And then the admiral comes down, and then he punches the admiral. And that leads to him being court-martialed. He punches them both in the neck, in which the is neck. just horrible. <laughs> Side of the neck. Yeah, so he's hey. <laughs> Steve just demonstrated. <laughs> yeah, so uh, he's court-martialed in a big ceremony where basically all of Annapolis shows up and is in formation, and then they strip him of his buttons and his stripes and break his sword over their knee. Break his sword, and then he's disgraced. Uh, and 
And then he goes and talks to the head spy, Histon, again. Mm-hmm. And Histon says, well, if you want to convince me... I mean, they're all spies. They're all spies. <laughs> the right. evil spy. Everybody is spies. The bad spies. Um, Histon says, give me, the, give me the location of one mine to show me that you're genuinely One a mine bad now guy. and the rest of mine on completion. <laughs> right. <laughs> First mine is free. So he does <laughs> give him the... Um, and the head of the ONI has told him he can reveal the location of one mine that that will be okay i think this is the point where i realized that there are multiple spies involved (laughs) and that there's a double agent yes but also that seemed like a really bad plan on their side like they didn't have any follow-through right giving that information didn't turn out well like yeah like they didn't give them a fake location or anything like that it was real. And, tell them where and the mine is, and, yeah. then, and then maybe and then they tell you where they're <laughs> living. So they tell them where the mine is, and then they head back to Panama. So uh, the Bela Lugosi character and Decatur, the hero, get on a ship and head back to Panama. Is Meanwhile, this the point where me, as the viewer, goes, what's the plan? And the plan is, the reason they're going through this, even though they know who all the bad guy spies are, is to find out what nationality the bad guys are spying for. That was what they stated. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But it did not make and any it sense. It never <laughs> comes across, but that was why they're like going through this whole rigmarole. Right. Maybe. So they're heading back. One of the mines has been activated, or whatever they said, and th- there's a big Navy ship that's about to go through the canal. So Decatur tries to warn them by with a telegraph yeah. on the ship, yeah. Yep. Um, and Histon, the Bela Lugosi character, finds him. They have a big fight that goes on for way too long. Eventually, Bela True. Lugosi falls overboard and drowns. <laughs> <laughs> this scene's going on too long. <laughs> yeah. Also, there's a great like storm happening, and the ship is yeah. rocking back and forth. And I think they run aground as well. Yes, yeah, so there was a shipwreck. So they run aground, and then the Navy saves Decatur from the run aground ship, which enables him to give the information to them that the mine has been activated and that the Navy ship will be destroyed if it goes through the canal. Now I can't remember how they keep that. Oh, I don't know. Oh, it I goes remember. through the canal. <laughs> so, I remember now. So the telegraph message finally gets through to the Admiral's ship, and right. they warn them <laughs> that this is going to happen, but then all the sailors are saying, like, oh my God, no, we're totally go down with the ship. But it's like, <laughs> Even no. if it's a stupid accident. It's like, but why? You can get off right now. It's okay. You're in the canal. This is not a battle. <laughs> yeah. So the Admiral tells all the guys to get off the ship before it blows up. The hundreds and hundreds of sailors say, no, thank you. We'd rather be blown up. Yeah, um, for no reason. There's no nothing going on. They speak in unison. It's kind of amazing. If there's a mechanical <laughs> failure, do they all just drown? And for whatever... I don't remember how they find out where they were being bugged from, but they then, just, they then find out that Mention, who is one of the spies, is located in a dilapidated tower on the property of the original... Yeah, Histon's plantation. The plantation. In the ruined tower. <laughs> right. Uh, and so somebody goes and shoots him, and they save him, save the day. Yay! And then uh, what's-his-face, Decatur, is uh, reinstated in the Navy. Reinstated in his marriage, we assume. <laughs> well, they, the last scene is him and his wife in the clouds. So apparently yeah, they get back murder-suicide. <laughs> One thing that we didn't mention, which came up a lot, but was clearly irrelevant to the whole movie, was that the Admiral's son 
was falling in love with a Spanish princess. <laughs> oh, and he was trying to learn <laughs> And he was trying Spanish. to learn Spanish for her, and that kept coming up, and then oh, yeah. had no resolution, had nothing to do with the plot. It was awesome. a really strange aside. That was kind of weird. There's also a dog they put glasses on at one point. <laughs> that was the most compelling character. Yes. I was Clearly. really excited to see where that went. <laughs> Uh, yep, that's the end. And that's a really long synopsis. <laughs> it was so. a really long movie for a silent film. Yeah. Yeah, it was 70, 79 minutes long. 79, and probably about mm, 30 of those were unnecessary <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah, the, the fight on the ship could have been a third of the time. Yeah. I mean, I still don't know really what was some of the, what was going on really sort of generally was a little unclear. Yeah, and there were a lot of unnecessary scenes. Like all the Annapolis stuff wasn't really necessary to the story, but... This movie was made with the cooperation of the Navy mm-hmm. uh, because they were they wanted to encourage uh, people to to support a larger Navy. They wanted better, more funding uh, from the government. So this was basically a propaganda movie made with the Navy's uh, cooperation. I mean, this did not make me want to join the Navy. <laughs> no, I didn't really see how it was a propaganda film at all, honestly, <laughs> because you would think that that would they would be doing something to make you believe that the Navy is noble and it has this great purpose. Yeah. I did not get that at all from the film. Well, they sort of had that closing caption where they were like, unknown enemies have been thwarted yet again by the Navy. And by this of, one yeah. guy. <laughs> so it's like, sort of a like, we do this all the time. You just don't know that we're constantly, you know, under threat by forces unseen. <laughs> we're constantly giving the location of our minds away. <laughs> some sort of double cross. If you ask, we'll tell you where they are. But only if you promise to give us some information and then don't. Yeah. Oh, and I, while we were watching it, I'm going to move on from the synopsis. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, did we miss anything? I don't think so. Um, I'm going to move on. So while we were watching the movie, I asked Steve if he knew who Blake Edwards was, and I kind of assumed that you and Nicole would not know who that is. My mom said you, but she means Jacob. Jacob, <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, 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 I looked at Jacob. <laughs> I don't know who Blake Edwards so, is. So who is Blake Edwards? I don't know. Nicole, who's Blake Edwards? I don't know. Steve, who's Blake Edwards? Blake Edwards was the director of a number of Pink Panther films, Yep. as well as oh. 10, starring Bo Derek and, and Victor Victoria. Uh-huh. I have seen some Pink Panther films. Yeah, the good ones, not the, not Steve, the Martin. Steve Martin ones. Okay. <laughs> I love Steve Martin, but those movies should not have been remade. <laughs> okay, all right, now I'm getting, I'm getting there, but why did Blake Edwards come up? All That's right, a so good question. sadly, I can't tell you what the man's name is other than his last name is Edwards. Um, I think it might be William. But he is the great step... The man who directed this movie is the great step... No, he's the grand... Poobah. Stepfather of Blake Edwards. Oh. Okay, go up two and then over <laughs> to the right one. So he was not a, he's not a descendant of... Blake Edwards is not a descendant. part of the but, family, then. Yeah. Okay. So. Yep, yep, yep. Um, for whatever that's worth. That's <laughs> worth something. That's a piece of trivia about this movie. There's not a lot of information about this movie out there. Uh, Tell us about the Roosevelt's. (laughs) Right. I got very confused when I was uh, reading about this movie because I read the Wikipedia page first, which said that Theodore Roosevelt made a statement, who was the Secretary of the Navy at the time, said, I I hope everybody enjoys this movie, essentially, something along those lines. What a great Mm -hmm. movie. I hope everybody loves it. And then uh, later I was reading a book about William Randolph Hearst, in which Theodore Roosevelt made some kind of statement about the sinking of the Maine. But these two things are like, I don't know, 20 years apart, and Theodore Roosevelt was not the Secretary of the Navy at the time that this movie was made. Theodore Roosevelt Jr. 
was the Secretary of the Navy, because apparently all the Roosevelts were Secretary of the Navy. There's like hmm. five of them, including Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He was also Secretary of the Navy. Well, that doesn't sound like a meritocracy. <laughs> <laughs> and then they all got to be president as well. Yay. Um, not all of them. Well, two. Of them. two. Two of them. I mean, if you need to be Secretary of the Navy, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Pretty highfalutin job, as far as I know. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, honestly, the Roosevelts did pretty good, so. Yeah. No grudges held. So, Mom, what did you think of this movie? Uh, I, <laughs> um, I was... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, there was a lot of scenes that were just so unnecessary. Like, you know, all the all the celebrations, the graduation and the, the parties and the Spanish ladies. And the conga line. The conga line was oh, unnecessary. That was necessary. But it was good. Yeah, some of my favorite parts were unnecessary. Right, and the dog with glasses was pretty good. That was great. That's a good dog. But it wasn't a comedy, so why was there a dog wearing glasses? Maybe movies back then had it all, you know? (laughs) I don't think there were enough movies made at the time to separate them by genre, so Mm -hmm. they tried to have funny elements, serious elements, romantic elements. It's like a Bollywood movie. They made like like a movie a week. What are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) But they didn't have horror films. They didn't have sci-fi. We watched I, one horror movie. Yeah, they had... Well, uh, well they had the monster movies. And, yeah. The slash play. Well, I mean, we watched uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah, who do you think you're talking to, Steve? Movie. We watched all the horror movies. That's where we came from. In fact, one of the... Uh, we were at one time going to watch a short that we couldn't get to play. Remember that? Yeah, I remember it not playing. I don't remember I think it was. it was... We were going to watch it before episode 11, which is the, the women Maybe. film director... No, no oh. the, the special episode okay. where we watched four movies directed by women. Yeah. We were planning on watching a short, which was directed by a woman and was considered a horror movie. And it was from the 19-teens, I think. Mm. People still got Steve. scared. I mean, a train Sorry, coming right at you was scary back then. <laughs> what do you yeah. think, Nicole? Uh, I did not enjoy it. <laughs> I thought it was too Go long. On. <laughs> I thought the plot was convoluted and... Um, if it was supposed to be a propaganda film, it did not succeed in making me want to write my congressperson and tell them to fund the Navy more. <laughs> did it make so, you want to be a spy for the oh. mysterious government? I mean, that one lady did seem like it was a pretty cushed gig. Like, and she made it out yeah, alive, like, I think. Peg just hung out and like smoked and drank all day and then you know made googly eyes at men. And, <laughs> like, What's see, not to love? Yeah, she had a nice place with good-looking clocks, so I don't know. <laughs> like, she seemed to be the most uh, interesting job perspective so yeah that's probably true what do you think steve uh not my favorite silent film (laughs) (laughs) what is your favorite yeah that's a good question city lights clearly is one of the greatest silent films i'm not familiar with that that's a chaplain charlie chaplin it was an hour and a half and you would not know it 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 is a brilliant film absolutely brilliant contemporary with the movie we just watched older younger 1920 or 1931 okay it's older so uh, okay. We are going to watch a Charlie Chaplin later in the season. We're going to watch the the Dictator. That's a great film. Oh, with uh, Borat in. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. We're going to watch both. That's going to be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I won't enjoy it. That's, a, that's such a contemporary reference that you just did there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Isn't Borat like five years ago though? Oh. Oh yeah. Much a million years ago. <laughs> but uh, as a whole, I didn't. I. I'll echo what you guys have already said it was very convoluted it was hard to track and there was a lot of unnecessary scenes so 
I'm going to give it two thumbs down. <laughs> <laughs> these movies are kind of making me appreciate Frankenstein a little more, which at the time was kind of boring and long, and now watching these other silent films, I'm like, wow, they really kind of kept it together. Yeah, when you when you see a good silent film like City Lights or Sunrise, you'll realize how great they really are. <laughs> but when they're bad, they're just... Real bad. I mean, bad movies now are really bad, yeah. too. It's true. They're not as boring, though. No. Well, that's because there's explosions. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And special effects. There were no explosions or special effects in the East, I don't think. And that fire, that was real fire. That wasn't CGI. Oh, the fire in the uh, the Silent Command? <laughs> yes. At the beginning? Yeah. Yeah, that place was kind of burning. Somebody <laughs> probably got hurt. Pretty. <laughs> yeah. I, I also thought it was boring. I had a really hard time following the plot. More so than Nicole, who was telling me what was going on. <laughs> no well, idea at times. Well, we also stopped in the middle. Well, we didn't stop. But during the movie, we stopped and started talking about what we thought was happening <laughs> right it did that helped but i still was lost and we also looked at wikipedia to figure out what the plot was and i still wasn't sure yeah and i still don't the end the end yeah okay you want to talk about the east yeah let's talk about i can the do east. the synopsis but i do not remember any character names except luca oh yeah um, do you remember can you look up the main sarah sarah's the main oh, that's, that's character? Right. but that wasn't her real name right jane was her real name Jane, but Eve. actually Sarah. Eve was the deaf girl. Uh, Lizzie, but that wasn't her Lizzie was Ellen Page. Ellen Page. Yeah. Izzy. Izzy. Izzy okay. But she was actually, that was her code name for whatever real name. Kathy. Something I Cook. Think. What was the. She had a silly name uh, when they revealed it. Oh, Kathy, it. right? All right, I'm going to explain <laughs> the plot as opposed to the names, and you guys can help me fill it in. So, we, uh, so this movie takes place in sort of modern day. Uh, Sarah works for a private intelligence firm. That I don't remember the name of. Heller exactly. Bloom, maybe. Yes, Heller. Hillard. 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 Hillard Bloom. Or maybe it was Hiller. Yeah. Uh, so they provide private intelligence. There, the movie posits that there are these groups of uh, like young radicals who are performing corporate espionage and domestic terror. Uh, the biggest group of which is called the East, or at least that's it's one of the bigger, more vo- volatile groups. Uh, Sarah is, works is a spy for this private firm that embeds agents with these groups so that they can warn corporations ahead of time and make a determination as to whether to call the FBI or crack down on them internally or just basically ignore them. Um, and she is sent to go undercover and infiltrate the East, which is a, they posit a eco-terrorist group, but has basically just sort of general anti-corporate leanings and they have a very specific uh way that they terrorize these companies i mean it's all ironic terrorism (laughs) they're an ironic terror group and they do ironic dramatically ironic terrorism it was all an eye for an eye tooth for a tooth sort of so the very first the first thing that you see in the movie is they uh, ellen page is giving us Beach yes. or it's an advertisement or something. I don't know. Well, because they put it all on YouTube afterwards or some mm-hmm. sort of video mechanism. If you've seen Mr. Robot, they're Mr. Robot types. Uh, right. But what is that initial? I could not remember the details. They, of the, it was the an oil, oil spill. spill guy. And what are they? They I broke into they... his home and they filled oh. his air ducts and his pipes and basically everything in his with home oil. with oil. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. Now that sounds. And they, familiar. you know, intersperse it with a video of you know pelicans and other animals being covered in oil and not being able to breathe. And And they say, you know, if you're a corporate 
monster, we're going to get you, and we will not take any prisoners. Yeah. Oh, and it, importantly, they say, if you bug us, we'll bug you. Yes. That becomes important later. So they, so Sarah goes undercover. She's basically just hanging out as a, you know, riding the rails, uh, joining groups, just trying to see where she can go. Um, she falls into a group with a young queer man named Luca, uh, who she basically helps him when he's being attacked by a train yard security guard. Um, and as a result, and as a result, he helps her, and he's, like, driving her away. She fakes having been severely injured when she sees that in his car he has a compass where the compass hand is stuck pointing east. <laughs> so she connects that this must be somebody involved in the east. She tells that to her handler, and then she injures herself so that he's going to take her back for medical care. Did anyone understand where he got the van from? No. no, no not just, a thank you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I would have assumed... I assumed early that he hotwired it, but later it seems like he yeah, would not have been able to do that. Yeah, because it was decorated with his compass. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it was so, a plant. But the fact, right. but the thing is, they were riding the rails yeah, moments exactly. before so, like, that. Why, yeah, why would right. he know that they were going to get pissed off at the train? But wasn't there a comment earlier that said that the East always get off at Pittsburgh? Yes. So I wonder if that was just their their stop. I guess. But they yeah. all got kicked off by security. It wasn't like they jumped off willingly. That was yeah, the sort of that's like the weird thing it's, about anyway, it. Anyway, continue. There's Sorry. some plot holes. <laughs> no, I, uh, the van was like, where'd that van come from? Yeah. <laughs> and if, if it was just a van that they stole, that would have been no big right. deal. But it was the, the compass. his van. Right. It's like, oh. With his stuff. And this is the introduction to Freganism. Yes. Uh, and he's dumpster diving for food. She's grossed out by it. But don't worry. It changed her, her, her emotions changed throughout <laughs> this film. Uh, so he takes her back to the collective. Um, where a character named Doc um, basically stitches her up. Played by Doctor Doom. Played by Doctor Doom, but not, not in every Doctor Doom. The newest Doctor Doom. Oh, yes. God, that was horrible. Yes. Don't go not there. the Doctor Doom I'm familiar with from Nittuck. Uh, <laughs> who was also horrible. But yeah, they're all there. bad. <laughs> um, so she gets stitched up. She's allowed to basically crash there for the night. She meets some of the other people in this collective, including a deaf woman named Eve. Eve. Mm-hmm. And Ellen Page's character named uh, Izzy, who... Um, and we learned shortly after that that they're all fake names. Yeah. None of them, that's not any of their actual names. They all have code names. Uh, they talk about her meeting Benji, who's the leader of this group. Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah, played by Alexander Skarsgård from True Blood. Who, Looks like Jesus who just won an Emmy. <laughs> who just won an Emmy as of this recording. Um, she's hemming and hawing about staying there. Uh, they grill her on whether she's really down with the cause. Whatever, what, whatever they're doing, which is a little unclear at this point. They test her with a meal where they're all wearing oh, straight yeah. jackets. Well, first, they call her mommy on her cell phone. This is before she's taken back to the place, and there's a basically a secret fake mom who answers the phone, um, who works for the company. We assume uh, they give her a test where she has to eat dinner. With a straight, a straight jacket. jacket. <laughs> Everybody's wearing straight jackets and they are all, all have soup in front of them and they're all waiting for her to eat first and she can't eat or she has to stick her face in the bowl and it's embarrassing. And then they all demonstrate their coolness by holding the spoons in their teeth and sharing with their partners. And she's like, fuck this, I'm out of here. I hate this. <laughs> Can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. So there, Wait, who, I, is who are you in this situation? Me. 
Wait. No. No, all of you. I'm asking all of you. Oh, okay. It's the The royal you. (laughs) (laughs) So there is, I think it's a Buddhist. I learned it in Sunday school. The one with the spoons? Well, I learned it as chopsticks. Oh, I don't know what you guys are talking about now. (laughs) So there is a definition of hell and heaven where um, you're you're in hell and you have a, or you're somewhere. I think you don't know until you. No, no, what is going on in the story? Yes, it's um, in in hell, there are people sitting around and they only have seven foot chopsticks to eat their food with. In heaven, it's the same thing. In hell, all the people are starving and hungry, and in heaven, they're all well fed. What's the difference? Uh, Everybody sits seven feet apart in heaven. And they eat each other. Okay. So, yeah, are you a selfish person? Are you a giver? Right, so that was what that scene. I'm sure that was what that was alluding to. Oh, 100, which it made me roll be. my eyes. I was like, <laughs> I was rolling my eyes, and I'm not. Yeah. That story. <laughs> I was like, what a bad way to like induct someone. Also, is this a cult she's joining? Like, sure it seemed was really like it. weird. I mean, she says early on, like, I'm not part of this cult, and then he's like, that's not really a cult. We're all just friends. Uh, so she says, hell with this. She starts marching out. Um, Benji chases her down and says. Don't leave. We're actually really cool. This don't don't use this bad example I used as a reason to leave. He says, um, "No." She says, "He says, what did you learn from that?" And she said, um, "No." He what? says, "Basically, good job. You made me. You made it clear that I'm selfish." And she's, he's like, and he said, "If that's what you think, then maybe you learned a lesson." Well, that's not exactly how he yeah. said it. I'm paraphrasing it. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, if you learned something from that, then that's right. What you More like that. <laughs> I heard it in the way you did it, Jacob. Yeah, Uh, yeah, he's like the the team leader in Mystery Man. But again, like it's I think it's important to note that he has very long hair in this and scruffy, and he looks like a Jesus character. Yes, it's Um, very cultish. Yeah, it's purposeful. (laughs) Izzy uh, does not feel comfortable with her being there, and basically says she can only stay one more night. Um, But she is the Ellen Ellen Page part of the collective. Yes, she is the angry one, as opposed to Benji, who is the Calm, <laughs> uh, so she decides she's gonna stay. Um, they, she meet, she talks a little bit with Doc, who explains that he has something similar to cerebral palsy because of a antibiotic he was uh, prescribed or prescribed for himself while he was in Africa. This comes up because the collective is going to do a eco terrorism. Oh, did he talk about it twice? He has to because then they're going to go Because I know do he talked this. about it afterwards. Yes, he explains okay. about his family. But he says this early because they're going to go do a jam, I'm doing air quotes, uh, which is a terrorist act. Right. And Doc can't go because he's got, or he can't do the thing that he was going to do. He has shaky hands and he has epileptic seizures. So they're... But Doc does go on that. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're worried he can't. They're talking right. around like a bonfire or something, and she's spying yes. on them. She's spying on like, them. What, what happens if he does this during the jam? So they were, they're around a bonfire drinking champagne, wearing masks of people we don't know who they are. Yeah, mm-hmm. paper and, um, masks, not real masks. And Sarah, slash whatever her real name is. Jane. Sarah, slash Jane, is spying on them and recording them, and Eve comes up. A deaf woman. The deaf woman discovers her. Oh, and we... Learned almost immediately as soon as Eve showed up that Sarah can sign. Yes. Because why couldn't she? Because she had a friend. <laughs> Can't everyone? Yeah. Yes. Uh, so she tells Eve, these people are going to commit a terrorist act. Don't don't go along with this. Um, she I, also she says, threatens her. Yeah, she says, I'm undercover. You yeah. will go to jail if you stick around. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that because Doc 
has issues, they're concerned he's not going to be able to perform. So she right. volunteers to go. No, no, no. And help. Eve leaves the next morning. And they find her empty room with something scrawled on the wall. I forgot what it said. Like, it's not safe here or something like this that. This house is not safe. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Um, and Ellen Page is all like, now what are we going to do? And then she volunteers and is like, yeah. I can take her place. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So they go to the... This part's, this part's <laughs> going to make me roll my eyes. Okay. <laughs> yes. So they're going to a party for a pharmaceutical company that is releasing, announcing the new drug, the drug that gave that one character brain damage uh and they are announcing that it will be purchased by the army and also given to all of the soldiers and also they'll be given to it all the time even if they're not sick right because it will prevent them from getting things <laughs> yeah he also described some something i think happened to his brother or was it his brother his sister. His sister. but that's afterwards that's afterwards. yeah that's on their drive home yeah right uh so they go to the party uh, Sarah feels very uncomfortable. They, she's not exactly clear what the plan is till she gets there. Well, her job is to yeah. seduce the, the son no, to keep of him the busy, CEO. to keep him busy, so that and he they doesn't say, see. Yeah, so I don't know. Well, because well, he's there in, because apparently he knows Doc in his personal life. Oh, that's right. And that's right. how they got the invite to the party. Um, but yeah, so she's supposed to just keep him busy. I guess the sex addict. But yeah, they tell her that he's a sex addict, and he's not really a sex addict no, so much as bag. a rapist. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she does keep him busy for a little bit, but then he gets very aggressive and she beats him up. Right. Well, so part also... of the time she keeps him busy by punching him and kicking him. In <laughs> yeah. well, that was the best part. Quite honestly, they make yeah. it a point to tell her don't drink the champagne yes. when they first get there. Uh, she sees that they are dosing the champagne that everybody's going to toast and drink to their big sale with the medicine that has caused brain damage. She's very concerned. She calls her handler and tells the handler, and the handler says, well, these guys aren't my clients, so I don't care. Mm -hmm. uh, Sarah grabs a bunch of wine glasses, but not nearly enough, and everybody toasts and drinks a bunch of champagne. Uh, so she feels very uncomfortable, and she heads home. Uh, everybody in the collective except for her is having a great time on the ride home. She's concerned, and then Doc tells the story that, well, he was on, um, I was going to say mission. No, his sister was going on the mission. His sister was on a mission in Africa. He was with, he prescribed her this antibiotic and himself, I guess, and she had severe brain damage and ultimately killed herself. And it is a specific type where yes, you can't like recognize yourself. I forgot the technical term, but it's face blindness. Right. Yes. So she doesn't recognize herself in the mirror. He has cerebral palsy-like symptoms, and that's why he hates this company so much. That's also why he has an invite, as he is familiar with the people who produce this drug. Uh, they all... This comes up because she questions them. She says, you know, why are you poisoning them? You know, you know the, the head of the CEO. The yeah. of like, you know the family personally. Why don't you just tell them what happened or, you know, that it's bad? You and know, why like, are they they're not going to do it. Yeah, it's a that's company. when he tells her the story that, like, by the way, my sister killed herself after this. And yeah. that didn't stop them. So it didn't make a difference. Uh, they go back to the collective. They have a lot of fireside chats and hanging out and smooching on each other. Is it the, oh, they play spin the bottle, a weird form of... A weird... Oh, consensual? Yeah, special <laughs> consensual spin the bottle. Um, they are monitoring the effects of their attack, or of their jam. Uh, at first, they're concerned that it does not, that it has not had an impact. So they say, okay, everybody go home to your regular lives. We'll meet up again later. Well, also they were being hacked, right? Yes. yes. Somebody's trying to hack them. 
uh, the hacker on their team says this is not going to be effective. But they decide like, to lay let's low. Just, let's just everybody go home for a while. Uh, Sarah goes home. She feels weird. She sees her boyfriend. She feels weird about him. She sees her boss. She feels weird about her boss. Her boyfriend, Jason Ritter. Ritter. Uh, she talks to her boss who's now gotten the contract with the pharmaceutical company thanks to her intelligence and now says, well, you should go back undercover with this collective and learn what the next two jams are because there's going to be two more jams. I'm going to keep calling them jams because that's hilarious. One of my favorite parts is, this comes up later, is when um, when Juno, whatever it is, <laughs> Ellen Page. when Ellen Page <laughs> says, this is my jam. Yeah. This is my this jam. Is my jam. <laughs> and it is. Well, did we explain what that term means? It's an old-fashioned term for direct action. Oh, I was up. I missed that part. Yes. I think <laughs> I did not know. It's, you are a wealth of information. Uh, well, wow, Nicole, you. you were paying. I was trying to watch this. If you'd movie like to come play bar trivia with me. <laughs> uh, so they, she's having trouble with her boyfriend. Her boss sucks. Um, her life's a joke. But also, I don't know if we got to this. One of the reasons she's so uncomfortable is because she sees a news clip while she's hanging out with her boyfriend mm, about yes. how one of the people who are at the party has now developed these symptoms. So now the company's under investigation for lying about the drug and all that kind of stuff. So the jam was a success. Correct. Right. Turns out it's success. Um, I want to throw in here, uh, one of the reviews that I, I think it was actually a podcast I listened to where they reviewed the East, they pointed out that every time somebody turns on the TV, it's, it's about something that. about the East. Yeah. What podcast is that? <laughs> I can't remember the name of it. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> it was a, but it was a podcast. You know, they that was recorded in 2013. They were uh, record. They were reviewing. Live. They were reviewing a fresh current movie. Yeah. Um, she goes back undercover with the collective. Uh, they plan jam number two. Uh, this is Ellen Page's jam. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she is the daughter of a oil executive who has been dumping slurry into the water supply in a town. Yeah, Pennsylvania. Well, the reason so. she got so angry was because they were all sitting around discussing whether or not um, what their plan was was enough. Because this company, um, you know, they wanted to actually murder these people. Yes. It was like it was being suggested that they actually do something yeah. more severe and. Um, you know, then they talked about. Oh yeah, the one, it. the one African American character yes. was Thumbs. arguing. I looked him up on IMDb. Oh, you're right. Thumbs. Oh, yeah. If you've he ever was, seen Leverage, he was in that. He was great. He was yeah. arguing strongly that they should kill these people. Right. Yeah. Um, she has an in with the oil executive who's dumping slurry in this water supply. They watch a video of a, a woman with two kids <laughs> who are bathing with a timer so they don't get arsenic poisoning. And they all have to drink bottle. It's basically Flint, Michigan. It's right. Yeah. And, Flint, and then Michigan. they talk about how one of the kids from the video has died. Yes. Uh, so she goes and meets with her dad, who sucks. Oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> the CEO of the sludge company was her dad. Yes. That's why it's her jam. It's personal. Uh, he sucks. They kidnap him and his wife? His I think she's, she's the, the CEO. CEO. Oh, okay. CEO, they're at a party, and they, they kidnap them. Um, they basically say admit everything you did or we're throwing you in the lake right when the slurry comes comes a dumping in uh they do but the uh izzy's dad takes a dunk anyways as a i'm sorry in, in penance and apologizes and she's suddenly very sad about this but they have to run away because the pigs are coming although they did get a recording of the woman Confessing. executive in, in yes admitting to who, everything who previously had made a propaganda video about how clean the plant was and right how they have it tested all the time. And it's great. They're up to the latest environmental standards. And Juno gets shot, right? She gets shot. So she hops on the back of a motorcycle while security guards shooting at them. 
She gets shot. They head back to the collective. The doc works on her, but it's unsuccessful. She dies. Doc doesn't oh, he's, work on no, her. No, he's changing. Oh, I'm sorry. It's too shaky. Jane works on her under Doc's yes. supervision. Yeah, because his hands are too shaky. He can't do it. Hmm? It's oh. fine. It's fine. Uh, sorry about this cord. I keep adjusting it. Um, they Everybody's sad. <laughs> There's an everyone sad scene. And you see them bury her in a hole with some flowers. Yes. Uh, Benji and Sarah begin to beget romantic. They've, they've started to bond. They have their moment. I'm eye-rolling right now. Yes. <laughs> as you should. Because <laughs> it sucks. Um, I think she goes home again at this point. She does Prior to home. the final jam. And was this when she goes out on her run and she stops on the bridge and cries and it's really dramatic? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, that was And horrible. she's sleeping on the floor because now that she she's back at home with her boyfriend, but she just can't stand the modern world and its comforts. And also, she slept with another dude. No, <laughs> she's not going to... Yeah, she's her, a guilty feeling. And her boss is like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> don't go back, give me more info. We're going to stop this final jam. Uh, she goes back undercover. They find out the details of... She thinks she's going to find out the details of the final jam. Um, Benji takes her for a drive. She falls asleep. Falls asleep. But she's wearing her... Is she not wearing a suit? She is wearing a suit. No, just clothes. Just normal clothes. It wasn't like the clothes she had previously been wearing, though. They were nicer. Yeah. So she didn't look too out of place when When the jam was revealed. (laughs) The jam is revealed. Uh, Benji knows and has known all along that she is an agent of undercover. Gasp. They want her to go in, sneak back into her, her uh, company and steal the knock list of all the undercover agents. Wait, I think you have to define what a knock list is, right? I, Nicole, what's a knock list? <laughs> it's, I think it stands for non-operative cover. Um, and it's basically when you're an unofficial agent. So like you pretend, if you've ever seen The Recruit. It's a great cheesy impossible. movie with uh, <laughs> with it. Al Pacino and Heck Colin yeah. Farrell. But yeah, you know, he pretends to wash out of the CIA so that he can go on CIA operations without anybody knowing he officially works for them. Just like in the Silent Command. Just like in exactly the... like in the Silent <laughs> Command. 100%. Exactly the same film. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so she says she's going to. She goes to the office. She gets pretty much caught downloading it pretty much immediately. Uh, her boss confronts her and she gives a very crappy speech about what freeganism is by eating stuff out of the garbage can to show her boss <laughs> what's so what. They're not so... freegans. They're <laughs> well, not freegans. No, but that's as close as they're getting. <laughs> they, they, yeah, they're taking a swing. Um, Doc sacrifices himself to buy the other collective people time. Uh, Sarah said... Uh, oh, did you say FBI that the FBI raiding. was... Yeah, yeah, FBI, yeah is FBI raids. Coming in to raid him. Benji says, come with me. We're going to murder all the people on the knock list. And Sarah says, I don't want to do that. Well, he doesn't exactly say it that way. He <laughs> says, we're going to blow their cover. And she's like, they but can they might die. Killed. And he's like, Meh. Whatever. <laughs> uh, they deserve it. She oh. argues that they should be persuaded to yes. believe, Otherwise. The, pe- the, believe yeah. the people they're Garbage. embedded with. Yeah. Right. And he's um, just sort of like, whatever, they deserve what they get. The movie ends kind of abruptly during this conversation. Well, no, so then that's when they separate. And she's like, I can't go with you. And he's yes. like, I can't go with you. And I was like, wait, she didn't ask you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, was there, an invitation. and then she vomits up the actual list. Yeah, she kept which, a list. by the way, did she wrap that in anything? Like, I'm pretty sure SD cards don't, Probably don't, last, don't last, last too long in your, <laughs> in your throat. Yeah. Uh, and then we yeah. see a montage of her persuading other agents to 
cut it out. Cut yeah. that shit out. So I have a question. There was a point where she was wearing handcuffs, and I think maybe this was a... This was like the Chekhov's paperclip for oh the God, thing where so she vomits weird. the yeah, thumb drive later. Well, I was not clear. So I thought at first she was trying to vomit up a paperclip, but she throws her necklace into her mouth. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I thought she was going to use the cross to pick the lock, which yeah. would have been so cool. And she doesn't. <laughs> I she, thought it wasn't a cross, though. It was a paperclip. It turned out to be a paperclip, yeah. but it definitely was a cross oh, on the necklace. I wonder if it was a paperclip hiding behind That's what I thought. Right. I think in retrospect, she yeah. But it was a, a big paperclip, y'all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do not know how that could have been hidden. So, again, it would have been much cooler if she All just right. picked so the lock. So everybody got that the same way that I did. Yes. <laughs> okay. It was confusing, but in retrospect, I was like, oh, she had a paperclip hidden in there. Uh, that's the East. <laughs> and it's all over now. So uh, it starred Britt Marling, mm-hmm. someone I wasn't really familiar mm-hmm. with at all. And the director is Zhao. Ugh, what's his last name? Bal- Something else. Bal- it's Bal- like Bal- 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 Yeah. It's got a lot of syllables. Yeah, yeah a lot of it's letters. got three syllables. Um, Balmanage, I think, might be it. He was born in France and oh, is of Iranian uh, descent. His mother is a, a cookbook author, oh. and his father publishes her cookbooks along with other things. Not that that's interesting at all, but those are some details I know about. But the two of them, yeah. yeah, and in 2009, they tried freakism. That's right, they did. And <laughs> so they wrote this movie. That's, yeah, that's right. where this came from. So in 2009, they traveled together. Riding uh, the rails. Right, riding the rails. It was a summer of no con- consuming or freakism. something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can say. Oh, and they made a previous movie to this called The Sound of My Voice. They also co-wrote they co-wrote it and he directed it. She starred in it. Uh, both these movies, both The East and The Sound of My Voice, uh, premiered at Sundance. Mm-hmm. Sundance? That's the name of a place. I think that's right. It's in Utah, that's right? <laughs> Some film festival. Yeah, a film festival. They're both Yeah, it was Sundance. The, they're both the OA as well on Netflix. Yes, and they both co-write and she stars in and he directs the OA. Yes. Oh. Um, she has been in a few other things. I liked her in this. I yeah, thought she was good. I, I thought she was good. Nicole, weigh in on this. Yeah, I mean she was good, but <laughs> that doesn't mean that doesn't movie. make the movie good. <laughs> yeah. No. And uh, the cinematographer, who's probably the most of the least uh, independent-y one. He was also the cinematographer for um, Suicide Squad and Ooh, a lot of other movies. That's, that's, that's not promising. Interesting. Well, that's a visually <laughs> that's a interesting movie. movie. I thought the cinematography in this movie was good. Yeah, yeah. that was the best part. Except there was a, that one scene near the end where it was all shaky cam, and it just drove me crazy. <laughs> it's not so good. Uh, it's like when she was running to catch up to him after she got exposed at uh, the agency. Yeah. It's like, what, what, 30 seconds of shaky cam for nothing, really? We're running with her. I didn't know anything about this movie going in, so my, initially I was like, this is going to be one of those crappy boilerplate, like, political thrillers with a bunch of shootouts. And I would have preferred I, that. When I found out it was not, I was like, oh, this is more interesting. And then I started liking it, and then I flipped it about the halfway yeah. point and started not liking it, and then I, by the end, I was like, oh, there's a couple things I liked, but it was pretty lame yeah it, it was pretty forgettable quite honestly yeah i think that's what it really this movie to. cost a little over six million to make and made back that's about two million. Oh, wow. yeah that's, it did, not, it did not do great um yeah it, it just was really heavy-handed that's yeah, all i kept thinking i was like really this dumb. is not subtle nobody is like sympathetic this seems like a stupid way to go about the things they're doing um 
whole list of things. Let's do it. Let's go down well, the list. Okay, let's talk about the fact that one of the first things that made me roll my eyes was um, before they go to the party for the pharmaceutical company, um, you know, they doll her up and they put her in a nice dress. Mm-hmm. And then down the stairs comes Benji and he's clean shaven and he's Ooh. together in the suit. Alexander and she clearly Skarsgård. is like immediately in love with him. Yeah. And it's so <laughs> stupid. And I'm like, Ugh, they're going to do this. Like, instead of actually. Oh, Jon Snow. Yeah. Like, instead of actually <laughs> trying to justify that she comes around to the cause or whatever, she's it's in like love with she's him. in love with this guy mm-hmm. and he likes the cause. And it just made her sort of like reduced to a female trope. And it sort of, like, undermined <laughs> any actual message that, you know, they could have been going for. And that was just really irritating to me. Because it was like, do you not have any actual faith in your message? Could you have done this movie casting a I less think attractive no man? faith in their message yeah. based well, on this movie. I mean, like, reading inter- I read a couple of interviews with him, and they don't actually have a message. <laughs> um, basically, they, from their, from their perspective, they're just delivering information. Ugh. They're not trying to Give convince you. Give me a fucking uh, break, guys. Right. <laughs> right. well, that's, no way. That's why it's such a meh kind of movie. Yes. If they actually believed in it, there would have been a lot more conviction. Well, because, yeah, and they try, and maybe that's the other thing I don't like, is they tried to do this very middle ground of, like, there's bad on both sides. There and, is like, not in this yeah. movie. <laughs> like, like, the corporations are doing bad things, but also this Heller company is amoral, and also these eco-terrorists are immoral and and also yeah. apparently none of them had true convictions about what they were doing they all just had like pet issues they like, had personal Ellen Page like... had daddy issues and was mad that he you know divorced her mom and like was with this new CEO yeah like you yeah. know it the other like, guy was yeah upset that revenge. his sister died it was all revenge fantasy and it wasn't like ugh, it was and she irritating. came around to it which made no sense because right. she's like oh I guess I buy into this and we should persuade people and it's like well the way to persuade them is to have your friend die I mean that is the inciting factor for basically every person yeah, and they didn't have like nuanced discussions of like is it is it really actually moral to potentially poison these people and kill them they had like yeah ham-fisted like should we kill them or not <laughs> like yeah. are we good or bad and ugh, I just yeah everybody was a trope everybody was reduced to sort of an eye roll from me <laughs> yeah. and yeah it just a lot of it could have been an interesting movie with a lot of interesting discussion about morality and there's a know, good idea there action and and it's sort of like, again, because of current events, really irritated me because it dismissed sort of like anybody who has a protest against anything. Mm-hmm. Well, if you're doing it this way, you're doing it wrong. Maybe and the therefore, answer is somewhere in the middle. Right. And you know, like, like, therefore, your message is also wrong if the way you're going about it is wrong. And it's just ugh, yeah, it's dismissive and irritating to me. Well, it's also, I would say, a little bit gross that the movie's depiction of this sort of like way out there group is like a bunch of rich white people who right. decided yeah. to go live in the woods and exactly it's like, they just all had parental well, issues none of them have actually suffered anything except maybe doc yeah. well and even the head the head guy was born to wealth yeah. yes he was he was but apparently he's very he, guilty about it yeah apparently he owned the property and that they all thought they were squatting on and yes didn't really ever explain his motivations but yeah it was very analogous to like oh, you know, Colin Kaepernick can't protest because he's a millionaire, you know, like, what does he know about suffering? Like, it yeah. just totally undermined that maybe there's still a valid message when people are, I'm like, Ugh. I mean, they're basically the exact same premise as the group from 12 Monkeys, but played straight, <laughs> which is, you know, like, that's a joke in another movie, but right. in this movie, it's like, mm, maybe they have, maybe they're both equally bad. And it's mm-hmm. like, also, I mean, real life, there are some corporations that do some nasty stuff, uh, I thought I started rolling my eyes at the idea that it's like, well, this pharmaceutical company's drug causes brain damage, like, to everyone, 
And no, I didn't think there... it was everyone. I thought it was because it had been out for a while. Yeah. That it was a side effect. And that's why I thought the movie handled it poorly because this is a very real thing that, you know, oh, sure, yeah, companies is... do all the time. Not just pharmaceutical companies, but, you know, and automobile companies. When you know that there's a defect or a side effect, then you run the cost-benefit analysis. Like, is it more expensive to recall the drug and so nobody but gets there's... hurt or to settle a few lawsuits? But the that idea that out. it's like, well, they're going to poison our troops. Right, the most, exactly. <laughs> that's the worst thing someone could do is poison our troops. Or then it's like, you don't have to go that far, movie, to convince me. You could just be like, yeah, this drug that's on the market is poison. Yeah, it was crazy. That's plenty. It doesn't have to be like, we're going to force feed it to every soldier on the battlefield. It's yeah. like, oh, now it's, well, yeah, that's bad. It's cartoon villainy with like, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, well, and the portion of the drug that they gave into the champagne glass was enormous. <laughs> yeah. And then they were like, maybe it wasn't high enough a dose. Right. It's like. <laughs> Nobody's getting sick. It's like, well, if you took an entire bottle of 30 at once <laughs> on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah, you're going to. You're going to have some adverse effects, yeah. for sure. It's yeah, the, so the water stupid. one was a much more realistic sort of sure, issue yeah. <laughs> versus this drug that absolutely likely would have been caught well before that. But that's the least... I That plan made me laugh because it's the least sophisticated plan, where the first they have this big heist where they're like going to dose everybody's <laughs> champagne glass, and the next is like, we're going to kidnap this guy and My dunk dad. his head underwater. <laughs> well, and the worst part of that was... When they put the spotlight on the water and now all the dead fish are floating up, it's like, yeah. did you, did you not notice the dead fish before? Nobody's caught on to this. <laughs> oh, I, think, I, I think they just like skim them out every morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. some corporate security guards skimming all the dead and fish. And they were goldfish, right? No, I think those. They were, no, they were they some were kind of like pond or like yeah, fish. koi <laughs> fish. <laughs> Yeah, there's a good movie buried somewhere deep in here. Well, I think it's more like these two people have a potential to make a good movie, but they haven't done it yet. I am not going to lie. This reminded me so much of, I think, I can't remember if I've talked about this before, um, Upton Sinclair's The Jungle. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where he wanted to write a book about socialism and set it in the meatpacking industry, and then everybody got just meatpacking reform <laughs> out of the message. <laughs> and I think this is a movie about freeganism <laughs> that like was trying to persuade about like oh what a great way of life this is and yeah. that's what she ends up pitching to her boss at the end like how noble it is and how it's sustainable and then it got buried in this sort of like a but way they to didn't like really even illustrate no it's not good <laughs> i uh everybody eats i don't know jackets I don't, or whatever. don't know a lot about freeganism oh let me tell you something about you the know uh, like a medium amount about well freeganism? i read it no i'm not even a medium amount i read an article i think it was in the new york times a uh, man uh, they oh, were news, interviewing huh? freegan freegans and he spent a lot of time with them. Mm-hmm. And their way of life was they would squat in an abandoned house and fix it up and repair it while sure. they were living there. And the food that they would eat was not rotten food, even a little bit. They would go to places that they knew had to throw out mm-hmm. food that hadn't even reached its ex- expiration date sure. yet. Well, it was part of her speech at the end. Right. But, but all she of does the a food, poor job of it. All of the food that they collected while he was with them was, was wrapped. Nothing exposed to any kind of, you know, garbage. Food that you and I would eat, would be comfortable eating. Um, The other thing they had was like a photo shoot of food collected by Freegans showing how this beautiful food that was just this waste that we throw out due to regulations, uh, but it's perfectly good food. Whereas in the movie, well, in the movie, there is a scene of Luca dumpster diving, and she's like, I don't want to eat these donuts. Well, he gets a donut. That's right. That's a not what Freegans eat. 
Yeah. Right. And I eat it. donuts. I love donuts. <laughs> out of the dumpster? Not those. I'm not but he peoples out carrots too, right? But they're not wrapped in anything. No, but I mean, this Some is sort of. Carrots. But like, but it's it's showing that like the extreme, like this is still good. We can wash this off and yeah. like use it. And she right. you know, Snottily tells her boss, like, oh, I've been eating square meal, three square meals a day off of this. And it's well, weird to me that they bookend her transformation into like our corporations committing acts worthy of terrorist attacks on eating good donuts from the garbage is gross to, well, I could eat, drink this water bottle from the garbage. No, and she eats the apple. But she, yeah, she yeah, takes she a chomp out of an apple, apple and a bite out of it. has one bite of it, which makes me laugh so hard. Probably mealy. <laughs> which just, she looks crazy when she does that. Oh, she's too. very crazy in that. <laughs> but she's speech. supposed to be the noble one who's, right. like, grown and learned and is, like, not the villain. So Right. She's the hero. I, yeah, that's why I really think that, like, this was their actual <laughs> message for the movie and they couldn't actually pitch that to a studio and were like, Let's make it a political thriller, and then no one will really know that they're being sold freakinism. Yeah. It's <laughs> so a couple of the things that happened in the movie that seemed really ridiculous were things that actually did happen to them in when they were on their hmm. uh, trip across. Likewise. Was it the train? The straight, the straight, the straight jacket. jacket. Oh. And also the uh, spin the bottle. Oh, just yeah, spin those, the bottle the I totally buy. 100% I actually thought were real. And yeah. I was like, these are the kind of people that come to dinner parties. And I'm like, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> you seem really yeah. annoying. I don't want to hear about. I've been to some dinner parties at collectives. And that <laughs> yeah. totally seemed, the street jacket thing was too much. But the like extra consensual spin the bottle, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I believe it. And I think I, I also it. kind of get the impression, yeah, sure, they did that thing in 2009. But they were too, I'm going to say, privileged right oh yeah people with no you know nothing to lose they weren't really homeless no they were just having an adventure that undercuts everything in the movie from top to bottom right is the uh in yeah in real life there are also those groups of collectives of rich spoiled kids you don't want to go to a dinner party with them no. and they're not committing like they may be committing terrorist acts because they know they'll get away with it the one time they that the one scene that i thought looked legitimately like homeless kids was when they were in the they were in the train yeah. car yeah mm-hmm. and they were playing their banjos because i see those kids yeah that's yeah they're um what gutter punks and they were not part of the collective no they weren't one of them was an age undercover FBI. oh that's right one of them was actually in which the like FBI. what <laughs> oh okay yeah, they, and they never did anything else with no that. That, they didn't explain so. like what he was doing well i think I, the, one of the other books i read one of the other books did i mention any of the books i don't, I don't know you did not <laughs> i've you been read reading any a, books yes i was reading a book about uh, espionage espionage in america and one of the things that he talked about was how when you know how different agencies will overlap with each other like mm-hmm. be pursuing the same thing and accidentally bump into each sure. other in their eagerness to you know catch something <laughs> yeah so that maybe that was just a reflection of that. I have to say that neither of these movies were very much about spy. Maybe the I guess they were. naval one had spies in it, although there was not a lot of spying. It was not about spying, but it had spies in it. Because I I did a little research into modern day spying, but that's not going to be relevant to either thing we watched for the most part. I mean, she. I mean, I thought that one scene was cool where they had the fake mom set up, and you know, yeah. after the guy calls on her cell phone he's like you know he goes through her contacts and says oh you only have nine and she's sort of like yeah and he calls he presses the speed dial for mom and then you know puts his finger up so she can't talk and this woman's voice answers and sort of sounds like a very worried mom who hasn't heard from her child from a long time and 
once you're sure, like, okay, you don't have to talk. I just want to check in with you, and I'll talk and see if everything's okay. And then the guy breaks the phone because now he's convinced, but he doesn't want her to have anything. And then we see the woman, um, it comes in from behind her with the camera, and it sort of pans out. And as she puts the phone down, it goes onto a little, like, note card that says Sarah under it, and then pans out a little more, and there's tons of phones with different names on them. So she's just a woman who answers for everybody who's undercover. She's the spy mom. And that's great. (laughs) Yeah, that was cool. cool. That was probably the best scene in the movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, like, three seconds long. But it, like showed something as, as opposed to being heavy-handed about mm-hmm. it. And it was like a good... basically, I mean, between the two movies, it was the it was the scene, he was using that to verify that she was who she said mm-hmm. she was, which is right. the same thing, the scene in the bar with the... Fake fight. With the fake fight, right, where he punches the admiral mm-hmm. uh, to convince them that he's actually... A bad guy. A bad guy, right. But he accidentally punches the Well, yeah, he's, he's convincing them that he's at rock bottom that and he that he's, he's open to being persuaded to turn on his country. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, there were parts... Of, the cinematography in this movie was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was nice to watch. Mm-hmm. And if you've seen... I've watched one episode of VOA. The cinematography is also very good. And the actress is, I think, a good actress. But mm-hmm. VOA has exactly the same problem I have with this times two. It's, it's extremely heavy-handed... It's very unclear exactly what it's trying to say because it can't quite get its message across without being, like, just too much. Well, I would have liked to see this movie done without pretty people. That would help. Right? Like, sure. A British version. <laughs> yeah, the part where they're, they're bathing Ooh, her. fired. <laughs> yeah, and like Alexander Skarsgård's just this shredded, like... Yeah, <laughs> like, if she actually, you know, sort of grows because she likes the cause or message or, you know, figure something out versus falling in love with this really hot dude who yeah. and sort of being like, well, Benji seems like a charismatic kind of cult leader. I'm in, you know? It's, I, it's I also, I, I would say, so there was one uh, not skinny person in this movie yes. and she yeah. played the role that that person always yeah, plays, the, the computer guy. But it's a computer yeah. lady for a change. <laughs> yes. That is a very That's not change. a change. Yeah. Look at TV. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, uh, don't look at TV. Yeah. <laughs> TV bad. But this movie, unfortunately, was even was more diverse than most mainstream movies, even with this very slight I mean, amount of diversity that it had. Gay person in it, which is a it had a gay person, change. it had an African American, and it had. Well, it That's doesn't. It. it doesn't really define Ellen Page's sexuality, and she's you know no. No, but, in but her it life. was Luca who was allegedly gay. But, but she she asks Sarah to kiss her during the consensual swim bottle. That's true. So but it's I, ambiguous. It's free love, man. Yeah, and, and even even Benji kisses that Luca. guy. Yeah, yeah. So right. Yeah, kisses Luca. Just so. because he wears lipstick doesn't make him gay. But that's because yeah. they're in a collective <laughs> they're just, man. You yeah, know, they're just like... having fun, man. Yeah. Like. So, yeah, it's they were sort of loose. So lame. <laughs> That's such a lame way to do that, my line. It's <laughs> just like, we're going to just, dis- like, they're the movie's version of displaying the, like, upside of freaganism is to have everybody kiss each other yeah. once. And, and high fives. And have consent oh, first. Oh, man, they love their high fives. And it's and like, hugging. <laughs> so much hugging. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, Ugh. three-way hugging. I complain yeah. about this all day. How stupid that is! <laughs> I made a joke about that because well, it's probably not fine, but <laughs> 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 one of the first things that the guy says is, um, "Can I? Can me and this other guy hug you for a minute?" And he's like, "Okay." I'm like, "Wait, wait, wait. they didn't get that third guy's consent. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's just roped into this. What kind of rules are these?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's I don't know. It's so lame. <laughs> we didn't talk about the bathing scene. Uh, I said that Alexander Skarsgård is totally shredded, which I thought was not hilarious. That, not that bathing scene. You mm-hmm. mean when he's in the bath? 
Oh no, I was talking about when they in the she consents to have them bathe her right. in the lake. Did we did we go to, No, did, I don't oh, I don't <laughs> that was I not part of don't the plot. <laughs> They're all bathing in the lake and she's sitting on the side with her clothes on and they ask her permission to bathe her. Yes. And then they do and she doesn't like oh it. Oh my god, I must yeah. have just And I laughed because Alexander Skarsgård's this shredded shaved dude and I'm like was this well, like a metaphor? Was this like a rebirth? And she's yes, like, oh. that is exactly it's like a baptism. They are baptizing her. <laughs> Join the cult officially. Yeah. yeah. And I'm out again. What was weird is before I watched this movie, I looked on IMDb because I had literally was not sure if the movie that came up on Amazon was the correct one. I was like, let me just make sure. And I looked at the reviews, and a lot of the reviews on IMDb are like, this movie's really great because it shows both sides are kind of like, Same. which one's good and which one's bad. And I'm like, no, this movie's really clear about which side's good at the end when she gives a speech about which side's good. I just, I can't even hear that phrase now. It's, that no. phrase is oh, ruined yeah, for yeah, all both time. Sides. There's a lot of, yeah, there's nice a lot guys. of good points on both sides. <laughs> I also, I thought maybe this movie probably, I think if you viewed this movie when it came out, you would have a different feelings about it than now. I don't know if I would. No, it'd still suck. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. maybe. I mean, yeah, it would still be bad, but I think I wouldn't have had such a sort of visceral defense mechanism against the, you know, false equivalency narrative. Like, oh, both sides both are bad. Sides. So I, I think you're probably right with that, because I think that has definitely taken Not Not our microphones. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, that is, As a whole, I mean, it was incredibly forgettable, and after this, I'll probably not remember that I watched well, now it. I, now I'm sad about, like... The general public because i sort of was wondering while i watched this who's the audience for this movie because yeah. i consider right. myself pretty liberal and pretty sympathetic to a lot of the quote-unquote causes mm-hmm. that the east Same. was part of and yeah. none of their actions were sort of like mm, this is this is not winning me over guys like this is not making us look great it's funny and, because and like, like so who's this movie trying to convince that yeah. this is like a well good i think thing? that's but going back to the interview supposedly they're not trying to convince you of anything they're just saying here's some well, that's dumb. and the yeah, the analogy it wasn't really an irresponsible analogy. to me right, yes. right. <laughs> the um the, let me speak for these groups Hold the on. explanation that he gave was that for example when he saw oh, what's the movie about mcdonald's fast food nation mm-hmm. oh. he said to himself thank you for giving me this information now i won't eat at mcdonald's anymore <laughs> Okay. That, that was basically what he said in the interview. But so then isn't I it don't... their responsibility to like make sure they portray the information correctly no. versus like <laughs> making it like a hyper well, hyperbolic I, I situation don't... on both sides? Nonsense. Yeah. Which is more right, the oil company that poisons people to death and causes <laughs> cancer, or this guy who eats garbage? Yeah. No. Or, or the eco terrorists who are then poisoning them back and yeah. like. Ugh, so lame. It's, so yeah. lame. Yeah. Really, it's just really frustrating. I, so, are you saying you recommend this movie? <laughs> yes, I think everyone should suffer like no. we did. Yeah, I guess so. I, I suffered, so you have to exactly. suffer. Exactly. I do want to echo Nicole's statement, which is that in our current political climate and current events as they are, there are certain things that I watch, see while I'm watching older stuff, even from a few years ago, that has a react, like a visceral reaction I was watching, speaking of Alexander Skarsgård, I've been watching, Karen and I have been watching True Blood. Mm -hmm. Uh, There is a scene where they flash back to uh, Alexander Skarsgård. He's a vampire. If you don't know True Blood. (laughs) They're flashing back to their previous encounters with the werewolf clan they're fighting, where they flash back to World War II, (laughs) where Alexander Skarsgård and his maker are both in full Nazi regalia, where they are semi-undercover to search out the werewolves. And I was like, 
oh, that hits me now right in the guts where I did not when I saw this wait, so wait, four wait, years ago. Not to get off topic, but were the werewolves Nazis? Like, why were they? Yes, they are werewolves okay. Nazis, which <laughs> also is not com- like it is not commented on the fact that 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 is just like a throwaway background detail of like, Lovely. oh, the werewolves were invented by the Nazis in World War II, and it <laughs> make no comment on that. I'm watching that, and I'm like, ooh, no, no. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is one of the things you were alluding to, but recently in Seattle, um, there was a video that went around of um, someone wearing a Nazi armband uh, who was sort of... Yes, he got punched out. Yes, he was having, (laughs) you know, very aggressive arguments with people on the street and then threw a banana at a black man. And another man walked up and just punched him in the face and knocked him out, like knocked him out cold. And there was a lot of back and forth in the comment sections about, well, violence is never right, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you know Nazis are bad, but also like you shouldn't have hit him, and uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I, no. I, I am less of that opinion. Yeah, so. uh, that is apparently like a uh, controversial, controversial topic. <laughs> although my feelings went, I think about six months ago, went from well, violence is sometimes bad to like. Yeah, for me, uh, as an attorney, it is not ever legal, and it shouldn't be legal, mm-hmm. but it is always moral. <laughs> yeah. punch a Nazi. Those are not the same things. <laughs> They're not the same things. I'm not advocating punching a Nazi. You, you know, however, however, but if you however, did punch if a Nazi, did, <laughs> like, if you did punch a Nazi, and, I would support and, you're con- yeah. and you're concerned with legal ramifications, you can give me a call, <laughs> yeah. and we would happily take up your fight. Yeah. It's not legal. Totally moral. Uh, Good yeah. to know. Yeah, it's it's watching stuff from 2010 where it's like, oh, there's the Nazi stuff. That's not not as fun anymore. <laughs> Although it is more fun watching Captain America. Yeah, the crap out of the Nazis. Yes, but don't it you is. think he should have really stopped and talked to them and like tried to understand? Yeah, them? Not, not so much. <laughs> no, not so much. Hydra had a lot of good points. <laughs> <laughs> Captain America had a lot of good points. You just gotta weigh those. There, there are nice guys on both sides. On both sides. <laughs> Hey, Mom. <laughs> How do you feel about Nazi stuff? Don't like Nazis. <laughs> no. No, not at all. No. What do you want to talk about next? Uh, well, we talk about current events that yeah. are related, and I thought of a couple of things. You mentioned one, actually, during your synopsis, Ooh, which was the Flint, Michigan oh, yeah. uh, totally. water issue. Still ongoing. It's right. like yeah. prescient. Yeah. It, or maybe they knew, because I'm sure the poisoning has been going on a lot. Longer. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it was yes. discovered in 2014. That's... They know now. Yeah. yeah. That is clear. I know, and I don't live in Flint. And yeah. it still hasn't been taken care of. Do you want Which to give is... a synopsis of what you're talking about? The Flint, Michigan water thing? It's in case. It's worth explaining. Um, so the city, well, I read, I actually was reading about Flint, Michigan, which has just been going through hell oh, yeah. for decades. Years. decades. Yeah, decades. Um, with no money and no industry. Is that and Michael Moore's movie? Yes, Roger and Me. Roger, Roger and Me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's 1980-something, um, right? And so at some point, they decided to stop having water come from, uh, I can't remember what the name of the, the Detroit Sewage Company or whatever it is that got its water from some lake, I can't remember the name, or mm-hmm. river or lake, and have them start getting water from the Flint River. But the pipes that they used apparently were corroded lead mm-hmm. pipes. So their water was discovered to have four times the EPA uh, acceptable level of lead. 
And so yes. they basically, they have no water. They can't drink the water, and, and children were consuming this water. And they just, a report came out like two days ago that it affected, it has affected women's... Um, oh, they're all they? miscarrying. Uh, yes, yeah, there's a lot of miscarriages, and also their reproductive capabilities mm-hmm. have been impacted by this. Um, and it's still not, no resolution. Well, well no, I think the water, what I read was that the water has tested safe now, but they are still, still being told not to drink it and probably won't be able to drink it until like 2020. Yeah. Wow. Which is just around the corner, guys. Yeah. Yeah. When, when we get a new president, <laughs> you can have clean water. And it was the first thing I thought of when I saw the video, when I saw the film in yes. the East of the children mm-hmm. right. who, were, who couldn't brush their teeth with, they had to brush their teeth with bottled water. And I'm sure that had to be... Well, actually, I'm I not don't sure. know because in that time, I remember there were those fracking videos yes. that were going on YouTube where it's people lighting their faucets on fire, mm-hmm. and that's uh, definitely still happening. And that's still yeah. going on as well, <laughs> where underwater underground fracking releases natural gas into the water supply, and so the water coming out of your tap has also got some natural gas mixed into it, and it's explosive. That's awesome and poisonous. <laughs> yes. So one thing I found when I went went to India a couple years ago is depending on the hotel you stay at you might need to brush your teeth with bottled water oh okay otherwise you're going to be hotel bound for a couple days Hmm. yeah did you have other current one of the other ones that i thought about was the equifax Equifax breach leak of yeah 143 million people's well, information. How do you know? You can look it up. You can look it up. Do yeah, I have careful. to go to their website to yeah, look it up? Yeah, there's a form but, you can fill out. Or you, like, you have to give part no, of your No, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. You have to I'm just assuming that I'm on it. I don't need to give them consent because I don't want to opt out of any class action right. that happens. Right, right, right. You can block your or lock your credit report yeah. anyway. Right. And that's the one step you should take, FYI. Well, I mean, that was controversial too. Yeah. They, at first they were charging people to freeze their credit, right. even though it was their fault. <laughs> Which they've since stopped doing, but... I also, um, a side detail, I don't know if you guys were familiar familiar with this, so the website you can go to look this up Mm -hmm. is Equifax Security 2017, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yes. There was a (laughs) white hat hat hacker, a a friendly hacker who had (laughs) registered the domain Security Equifax 2017, which was a website that when you entered your information would tell you, you should not have entered your information here (laughs) because this is not the website to do that. And the Equifax Twitter mm-hmm. account started tweeting out, occasionally would tweet out accidentally that guy's website because they would reverse those words. Yeah. So they were directing people to this guy's phishing site uh, to steal people's info, except he thankfully was doing it as a public service as opposed to to steal your social security number. Well, and I forget the exact amount of time, but they came out recently with for months, it was they, like they had known about July this, or something. and they had had they just had decided not to like patch the security yes, that's, breach. That's what it was. And then like the CEO and then the CEO sold, sold their stock. stock right before they made the announcement of the breach, and none of it's great, guys. I think no. this will be my third time getting secure credit protection because of a hack because mm-hmm. i was hit with target and home depot and equifax oh. and maybe a fourth line my oh, information has been leaked multiple times i didn't get the target times. or the home depot one but i did get the wazoo one even though i didn't go there mm. because and that was a low-tech hack though somebody just broke in is that <laughs> the one where they took the hard drive yeah i was affected by that and as I was well like, how, do, how do you have my i didn't go to your school yep. how do you have my it had to do number? they sent me a letter and apparently i I uh, volunteered to participate but in some kind of not. study. <laughs> <laughs> like, and 
that I kind of made me wonder, like, what else I did volunteer for mm-hmm. that sold my information to them. Sure. Because that's irritating. What was the other big one? We we were both involved. Not Home Depot or Target? No, it Chipotle? was... Chipotle? Oh, um... Yeah, because I was on it, and it had Maggie to do with insurance. I think maybe. Yeah, was it, it was a Blue Shield. Yeah. Oh really? Blue Cross. Yeah, we were that. impacted by that, and so yes. they gave us two years of yeah. I have credit like a thousand years of credit protection at this point, except they're probably not. They're all yeah. They're all concurrent. <laughs> and I just got a new one. Why did that make you think of this, though? It um. Partly because I was listening to a podcast called uh, Backstory, which I think I've recommended before. It's a history podcast. And this particular episode, this week's episode, uh, is one of their episodes where they pull things from um, what's happening today. Mm -hmm. And one of the people had chosen to talk about how our information is collected. And there was some, one of the reviews or maybe the podcast I was listening to talked about that as well in relation to the East, where information about you is collected without you knowing it mm. and then people do things with that information is that why at the beginning of my synopsis you said if you bug us we'll bug you and you're like that's no, important no i think because i think did that say the that at the end as well what i thought that meant was they were giving heller bloom or whatever that company is a heads up like we know oh, you have right. a spy coming for us we've been waiting for them mm. i buy it I well i'll connect that i do internet marketing I guarantee you every website you go yeah. to, they're collecting your data. Mm-hmm. And I can look at some of it. I can look on your search behavior, how much time you sent, spent on each page, what you clicked on. And that's just at a moral level. I was going to say, controversial like, opinion, I do not care. Like, <gasps> well, some I would of it much rather... Have nothing, yeah. You've done nothing wrong. You have <laughs> no, nothing it's done. not even that. It's just for me, like, I would rather have targeted advertising. Like, I don't want to hear about toner ink and... You know, other things I'm not interested in. If I'm going to see an ad on a page, it might as well be something I care about versus right. something totally irrelevant to me. So that's fine. I mean, I've actually had things pop up where I was like, you know what? That is interesting. <laughs> I, I will that. buy that. <laughs> Thank so, you, targeted advertising. Some of, the tar- some of the targeted advertising is really good, but it's when people take it kind of into the dark. Sure, sure. Where that's where it gets really sketchy. Yes. There's all kinds of cookies being added that track things that happen away from the website. Mm. So, And I think that any sort of algorithmic based anything always has weird flaws pop up I, I i cannot remember who it was but it was a it is a famous person where his targeted ads were buy some stuff for your daughter for her birthday that she had passed away like the year previous and they had just seen oh there was a lot of posts he made about his daughter so and this was no no individual making this that just their algorithm that's promoter. I, I had heard one from a while back about um I guess like Target had sent a bunch of um, coupons oh, for diapers this. and things like that to a house, and um, father found out his daughter was pregnant. <laughs> that way, <laughs> that way, surprise. It wasn't ideal. So I had um, I saw this was just maybe this morning. I think it was either this morning or last night. I saw someone on Twitter where Facebook was doing targeted advertisement uh, for Instagram. It was just like check out what you can get with Instagram, and the way they would do that is post. Look at this person's most like commented, most act- what what is it? Not activated, most Light. engaged mm-hmm. photo. And her most engaged photo was a Nazi being like, "I'm gonna fucking kill you." And she'd posted and gotten you know three thousand comments. And so this was like, check out what you can get on Facebook if you connect it up to Instagram. And it was just this picture yeah. of somebody texting or something nasty. Lovely. Yeah, great. 
great oh. stuff. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, I, I will briefly plug a book I have been very slowly reading because it's very long and slow, but I'm actually enjoying it, called The Way of the Knife by Mark Mazzetti. I think he's a New York Times or was a New York Times writer. This is a book from 2013 that is about the basically the CIA's change from becoming involved in military and basically violent actions. So it follows basically from 2001 to when the book was written, Bush, you know, under Bush and Obama, first changes to make the CIA have its own military arm, basically mm-hmm. have a group that it can use to do military actions covertly, and then changing over to drone strikes. It's really well written. It's a little bit meandering, which is part of why I can't fully recommend it. It's why it's taking me so long. Is each chapter is just kind of like about something in this process. But it's also really wild to hear what, what I mean, it's, it's a lot of times it's like there's somebody in this country that we want to get and we can't get permission from the government or their government's not totally stable. So here's what they did to have like, well, we'll just hire six guys and give them all guns and we'll pay this private guy to pay some people and they'll just kick in his door and shoot a bunch of people. And how common that was and how, because that was so common, it became basically more appealing to just have a drone drop bombs on stuff. It's a little bit eerie reading it now because one of the big players in almost all the chapters is Eric Prince, the owner of Blackwater, who fell out of favor for like four years and is now back in the news mm-hmm. all over the place he's betsy devos's husband and he just recently wrote a new york times opinion piece being like hire blackwater we can we can get back to it we did a good job before and we'll do it again it's been long enough since you remember us right yeah basically that's basically <laughs> it um but that it's a really interesting book if you want to see what was modern spying a couple years ago it's weird because spy stuff just doesn't show up in the news we got other stuff on our mind i couldn't tell you anything about the cia aside from that the former head of the dia is uh manafort no the other guy oh manafort no no that guy that was flynn yeah flynn Flynn. yeah michael flynn used to be my brother's (laughs) used to be my brother's boss yes oh wow (laughs) um Yeah, that's the only spy stuff that I ever see in the new... Oh, and the Deep State, which is out to get us all or whatever. We can't talk about that. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, Hail Hydra. Well, I mean, one thing that's happening literally today um, that's sort of related, if you want to go into the military propaganda wing, is um, the uh, NFL protests, the taking a knee during the Pledge of Allegiance. Mm-hmm. And the president gave a speech in Alabama yesterday, yesterday. I believe it was. Alabama of all places. Um, right. <laughs> oh, boy. It's a great audience, super receptive um, <laughs> to his very not racist message, um, where he basically directed the owners of NFL teams to fire the son of bitches who mm-hmm. take a knee on their team. Did you hear Colin Kaepernick's mother's response? Yeah, and she said, guess I'm a proud bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. So, yeah. There's that that's happening <laughs> right you now. You know, LeBron James called Donald Trump a bum. Oh, my God. It's, I mean, sports Twitter is going crazy yeah. today. So I'm curious to see if this will actually involve some actual progress on this issue or if it'll just be forgotten about Maybe. come Monday when we get nuked by North Korea. I mean, by this morning, they had had, I think it was 35 NFL players that mm-hmm. said, we're not, we're not we're going to take a knee. Yeah. Uh, we'll see where it's, the total's at. So. It's a football game, what, right now? Or, uh, no, tomorrow? No, tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow yeah. Monday. So, 
Yeah, so. we'll see how that goes. Yeah. While I was on vacation, I managed to reread Animal Farm oh. in 1984. Ah. <laughs> and both were especially relevant, but more so. And seem a little tame now. <laughs> yeah. Animal Farm really struck home. There were so mm. many aspects of it that just two legs good, four I legs like bad. <laughs> or four legs good, two legs bad. Yeah, it was just... There, there's good on both sides. Of course. Oh, yeah. They're both four <laughs> legs, two legs. They both have their high points. And changing the rules as right. they go on. It's like, oh, no, it was never this. Yes. Sort of like, are we are we at war with Oceana? Or <laughs> we... We've always been at war with East Asia. Yeah. Oh. Yikes. Well, I have a book I'm not going to recommend, but <gasps> I... And I, I want somebody to find a good book about this person. Okay. It was the only book I could find I wanted to read about uh, a woman named Kathy Williams, who was an enslaved person who, after she, uh, after the emancipation, she be she disguised herself as a man and became a buffalo soldier for two years. Oh. Um, and I don't know if you know much about buffalo soldiers. Just a song. And <laughs> <laughs> um, they did. They fought a lot of Indians, so that part's not not great. Uh, but one of the other things they did is they were park rangers. Yes. And the reason that Smokey the Bear's hat looks like it does is because that was the hat the buffalo soldiers oh. wore. Um, so she was this really interesting person. And then after being a buffalo soldier, she became a pioneer and lived out her life, I guess, um, in the West in a, in a fairly receptive town as far as I could tell. Okay. I can't recommend the book I was reading. Because there were many problems <laughs> with the text of the book. It was written by a white male historian. Okay. I, I'm not going to attribute these problems to that, but there's like a but point. It could be. You're right. Um, he talked about how she uh, worked for the Union Army as a laundress out of her gratitude for being freed, except that's not what happened when. when uh, when slaves from the South were oh, taken... Oh, it wasn't in... gratitude she was working? <laughs> no, they, they, she was made to work, and also yeah. they considered the slaves that that ran away to be, or from the South, to be contraband. They were mm-hmm. not uh, freed people. So that was a problem I had with the text of the book. Yeah, no kidding. Were... Which book? It's what? called um, America's Female Buffalo Soldier. Okay. Did she... you see the Ken Burns National Parks series? Mm-mm. There was some comment or some talk about the Buffalo Soldiers during that. I don't know that she was a park ranger, though. No, but it does give a little bit of history about the Buffalo Soldiers in the uh, National Jacob's Park system. <laughs> He'll be back, I'm sure. But... He hates park rangers. He can't <laughs> listen to this. But... So I would really like to find a good book about this this person. Okay. Uh, this one was not... Well, what I was looking for. So Wikipedia page, and that's what yeah, started, I guess. yeah, yeah. I, I went back to the Wikipedia page at that point, but she was an interesting figure. For sure. All right, that's something I really wanted to recommend, but I had to go get my iPad so I could look it up and do it right. Uh, carefully sit back down. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this was something I started reading this morning, and I thought it was really interesting. It is politically related. It's not about spies. So it is a blog. Uh, it is prestersperspective.blogspot.com. <laughs> P-R-E-S-T-E-R-S. Perspectives. So press, it's uh, a person named Prester Jane. She is a, she grew up in a cult until uh, she was 14 where she ran away from home and went to public school. But she went in and out of cults basically once she was free. Mm. 
she was diagnosed, or she found she was diagnosed with schizophrenia and checked herself into a care facility for a while. Eventually had a lot of therapy to deal with her schizophrenia and with her affinity for joining cults. Uh, <laughs> and has created a blog where she basically has a thesis about what she calls narrativist structures, but basically the structures of writing sort of a story for a group of people that pulls them into cults or cult-like behavior. And she has been using that to tie that into current political events Mm. um, about how there's this sort of white right-wing group in the U.S. and how people can get involved in these, like, what are somewhat extreme or fringe beliefs, how those pull people in, how the process of uh, radicalizing them works, and why from the outside, uh, just facts and logic kind of seem to bounce off of these groups. And she uses a lot of examples from other fringe groups. Uh, I found it really interesting. I don't want to, like, delve into it too much, but I, it was very interesting. She basically talks about how there's a narr- an inside narrative and an outside narrative where, like, in your group, and she uses examples of, like, 9-11 truthers, mm-hmm. or, like, sort of the libertarian bent, where you've got your inside narrative, which is, like, we're the only people no- that know what the government's really mm-hmm, up to mm-hmm. and who really did 9-11, and then you've got this outside narrative that's like, well, the free market is the solution to these problems. And you present this outside narrative that is more publicly like, acceptable. But if somebody shows you like, well, look at these facts, that doesn't actually work. That it does not impact you at all because you don't, that's not actually your personal belief structure. You've got this sort of outside facing one that facts and data bounce off of because you don't really believe that. You're not fighting on this front. Um, and she uses that to tie into kind of how somebody like Donald Trump could be president and how you've got these groups that seem to be, uh, don't react to all the crazy stuff that he does or the stuff that he does that contradicts the other mm. things he does, which is that a lot of the, what seem from the outside to be core beliefs really not core beliefs, the core beliefs they have are about attacking an enemy or expelling immigrants or white supremacy and unless you see Donald Trump make attacks on these core beliefs, anything else he does around on the fringes are not things that are not, they, that are things that they display or advertise are important are not really important. Mm. Um, it's really interesting. Mm. It's also a really interesting backstory for this person. Um, but I recommend it a lot. I will read it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I've got. <laughs> Uh, you want to talk about the cocktail? Shall we oh, talk about the cocktail? I think you should. It was delicious. It was really good. So I... <laughs> you wanted to do Panama. I wanted to do Panama. Um, I tried to make a bunch of foods uh, also from... They're really that good were, foods. They're some yeah, of the best snacks. But I failed horribly at a lot of things. I was going to make uh, angels on horseback, which I guess they what eat in Panama. That? It's uh, oysters wrapped in bacon. Oh, that sounds really but good. But the I oysters I got were huge. They were way too big. Oh, too big. Just, you just need they're more like, bacon. They're it's like fun. four inches long. Oh, yeah. I have a good... So I, um, I, we're here in Washington State, and uh, Karen and I took a couple of our friends to go get and eat raw oysters, because you could do that in some parts of the state. In fact, we have an oyster industry in Willapa Bay, which is where the oysters I got came from. Okay, fact, I think that's actually in where fact, I In fact, when you were go. a tiny baby, we lived in 
Raymond. 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 Yeah, which oh, is yeah. which is where oysters are. I think we may have farmed. been near Willapa Bay when we went to do this, and we've got like a little we got like snacks and stuff to eat with the oysters. But we didn't realize that when we dug them up, they are like the size of a small sandwich. I don't know how else to describe it. It's this yeah. huge, disgusting thing. You cannot shoot a oyster that, that's like no. the size. I don't know what, what, how, I don't know how to describe how big this is. Like a block of cheese. Like amazing. I've never like, a, like the size of a cell of your iPhone. Yes, that They're is the about size that of size. the oyster and nice. the meat inside. <laughs> they taste good. They taste uh, like an oyster, but you can't just like I'm, bite into it. Then you would not want to eat so. it raw. You That's for sure. No, they don't. You, you, how life. long have you lived here? Well, I like salmon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, we would send you away if you didn't like salmon. Yeah, I can understand not liking also, oysters. Also, why do I want? I yeah, why do I want to eat something that I have to shoot? I'm not actually like chewing it. Like you do take a bite. Do you? you don't have to. Like, everybody I know just swallows them whole, and I'm like, what's, what is good. the point of that? Like, it tastes good. That's what milkshakes are for. Like, that's not what protein is <laughs> right? for. It's like a shot. Well, I'm going to plug something. Okay. Well, wait, I want to know about wait, the wait, other wait. things you're cooking. Let me do this stuff. first. Um, do you watch Worth It? It's no. a YouTube show Never from heard of it. Buzz. You showed it Buzz to me once or twice. It was funny. One oh. of their most recent episodes, they ate oysters. And the premise of the, the premise of this show is they go to three places. Oh, they're in Australia, I think, in this episode as well. Um, they go to three places: a one dollar plate, you know, a one dollar sign, two dollar sign, and three dollar sign of the same type of, of the same thing. So oysters in this case. So then they so they ate some raw oysters in the one dollar place. Then they went and had a fancy oyster dish, and then they had a super fancy oyster dish. And, and super fancy is like like hundreds of dollars, dollars right? Yes. Sometimes many many hundreds of dollars. Um, and then yeah. the then at the end they decide which one of the three things was most worth it. Mm-hmm. And they're like 15 minutes long, but they're really entertaining. Yeah, the uh, my mom showed me the Las Vegas one before Karen and I went to Las Vegas, where they did three buffets: the cheapest <laughs> buffet, a medium buffet, and, and the, the most, most expensive. fancy, expensive oh, one. I'm so proud and we of totally that. went to that medium buffet, and it was amazing. That was spoons or something. Uh, Wicked spoon. Wicked spoon it was so good. And they came here. They came to Seattle, and they did salmon, and they did. Uh, oh yeah, they did, they did um, donuts, salmon, and. They did three types hot of dogs. They definitely did hot mm. dogs as well. Um, yeah, so I, I re- if you like food and you go places, <laughs> it's on YouTube. It's I don't totally recommend it. And they're short. You know, if you have fifteen minutes to kill, they're funny. Those two guys are funny. Yeah, and they their cameraman is part of the bit as well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I tried to make angels on horseback, but then I got the oysters out, and they were like, "Oh, these are much too <laughs> big to wrap in bacon." So <laughs> forget that. Angels, these are like <laughs> gods on horseback. <laughs> and I made I made tostonis, but I burned them. Oh, and those they were are, still um, good though. Yeah, they did they, taste. They good. didn't taste burnt. No. Yes, they were just crispy. I didn't um, know what they were supposed to taste like. <laughs> um, I think they serve them at La Isla, the Puerto Rican place as well. Yeah, that place is good. That place is good. Um, so uh, tostones are mashed plantains. Those were not mashed. They were mashed. Oh. They were smashed. Let me mm. let me rephrase that. Smashed, not okay. mashed. Um, and empanadas. I made ground beef Those are empanadas. Good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we had some tropical fruit because Panama uh, grows basically all the tropical <laughs> fruit you can imagine. Yeah. Bananas, pineapples, mangoes, mangoes papayas. You previously made yard stew, which was really good. I did make yard stew between the last episode and this one, which is also a Panamanian. Like a chicken Just stew. everything in the yard goes in the stew. Yeah. yeah. That's Very really good. good. Um, did I make anything else pan? Oh, and the bread. It. I made pan misha, which 
originated in France, they think, but they it's a bread that they make in Panama. We made got some alcohol too that was also. I did not. No, the was not. At one point, I did have a bottle of Panamanian rum. Mm. Uh, like a month ago, so I obviously <laughs> don't <laughs> have <laughs> it anymore. <laughs> and uh, it, the name of the the name of the rum is Ron Jeremy. Uh, <laughs> Ron is the named is after the, the famous actor. His face is on it on the yes. label. Yeah, but the Ron means rum, so that's why. Like, well, that's not why, but um, friend, and it was a very good rum, by the way. My friend Daniel from Third Act Saviors and I met Ron Jeremy when he came and spoke at my school. <laughs> When I was in college. What did he come speak about? Just general sex Follow positivity. <laughs> yeah, he was a very weird, interesting guy. And because he was in Eastern Washington, there were uh, protesters who were oh, saying, of course. don't go see this. And Daniel's roommate and sort of friend got kicked out. So he was not allowed to watch him <laughs> with us for reasons that are still unclear. Oh. We got an explanation just a from the, Well, we got an explanation from the friend that I don't believe. Mm. <laughs> so we'll never know. All right, so the cockatiel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so tamarind is another thing that they grow there. Mm. And so I don't remember how I arrived at this, but, um, oh, what I really had wanted to do was something with rambutan, but I couldn't get it. I couldn't get rambutan. I eventually, rambutan? It's a fruit. It, there was some, <laughs> the, <laughs> some on the table in the no, bowl. No, that was lychee. No, that was rambutan. What? Yep. I'll show you the can. It like They called it rambutan. That was a lychee. Maybe it's Central American version of lychee. <laughs> I'll show well, you the can. Well, well, <laughs> I mean, I think they're similar. Rambutan has a big seed in the middle. So does lychee. That's true. So it looks exactly <laughs> like a lychee, so now I'm confused. But Rambutan has the little hairs on the outside. So do lychee. Oh my god, are they the same fruit and I never knew it this whole time? <gasps> Maybe they're the same. I'm looking at it. We keep talking about the cocktail. <laughs> All right, so I, originally I wanted to do Rambutan, but I just couldn't get a hold of any. And the other thing that or I wanted to do... <laughs> <laughs> The other thing that I wanted to do was to make a bomb of some kind, you know, for the for the condiment. I wanted to make a bomb, and so I, t- I tried like um, dipping things in chocolate, but discovered that I have no chocolate skills, so <laughs> they all turned out terrible. Um, and then I, then I remembered, well, I mean, I can make candy. I've made candy for several of our condiments last season, and I thought maybe I could make, you know, you do a lollipop form and make candy and I got um birthday candles that have that do the sparkling and so then I just made hard candy with some tamarind that's the flavor of the candy uh and use these uh, candles as wicks so that you can light them on fire and then they sparkle yes. and they look like bombs they are not the same thing they're closely related and uh-huh. looking at photos of them side by side peeled you can't tell the difference okay. Unpeeled, <laughs> they look very slightly different Good. Uh, <laughs> I was like, I feel really like a bad Asian if I didn't know they were the same root this whole right. time. So the, uh, the drink, I used tamarind as well. So I made a tamarind simple syrup and uh, used rum. I would have used Panamanian rum had I had some on hand, but ours was from Barbados. Uh, it's got lime juice and some dry curacao, which is a new thing I just discovered That's exists. Good. I like that dry curacao. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's similar to curacao. Maybe less sweet, and yeah. it's got a higher alcohol content. I would say less sweet and a little more orangey. Where do you get that? Um, I got it from uh, Prime Now. I just oh, Prime Now it. So probably. I mean, I sometimes I just when I'm when I'm working on a recipe, I'll just see what they have and if they have something interesting. That was how I. One of the other things I bought this week was a bottle of Pisco, which comes mm. from Peru. Uh, it's made from a particular variety of grape, 
And it has a really interesting flavor. Yeah. Um, they use it to make a Pisco sour. I, I, had guess. A, I had a shot of it that I did not care for, but it'd be good in a drink. <laughs> Um, yeah, I liked this cocktail maybe the most, although I like sour drinks of the, generally. Of the last few. The last, the last few. The two before were pretty sweet. I did not have my hard candy, though. It's still out in the not oven. Not yet. I think the candy tastes pretty good, because tamarind tastes pretty tamarind good. Tamarind tastes good flavor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Sorry. That's all right. I'll like the cocktail. <laughs> um, what... Oh, I know what we need oh, to do. Oh, we do need to talk about next movies. we got to do our plugs first. All right. I think that's important. Steve, what? you're a guest. Do you want to plug anything? Do you want to talk about anything? No. This is your moment to talk? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no Xbox Live handles or anything for people to friend you? No. Or <laughs> Steve would like you to forget about him right after this podcast. You know, what I would like to forget about is that you brought up the Fantastic Four film. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite comic oh. book of all time, and I've, I've read it. All of them. And there's been all no good movies yeah. at all. Not From, even close. Yeah, the Incredibles. The Incredibles <laughs> yeah, is the best fantastic film <laughs> movie there's been. Incredibles 2 is coming out. I know. How's that going to work? Uh, Are they going to be teased awesome. now or whatever? No, it's going to take place like literally right after the uh, first one. Because like the, the, when the... With the baby. Mm-hmm. But the guy that comes up, the underwear, yeah. whatever his name is, that is exactly the setting for Fantastic Four number one. Oh. With Mole Man coming up and he's got the big monster and the team coming together. I have a bone to pick with John Lasseter, so we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Like a personal bone? Well, my uh, my sister and I went and saw a Fathom event at AMC Theater. Yeah. That's the one down the hill. Probably AMC. Yeah, Regal I think it is. It's Regal. Uh, they've been doing the Miyazaki movies mm-hmm. um, like once a month in mm-hmm. theaters. They'll do one night of the dubbed version, one night of the subtitled version. They're doing them all. Uh, so we went to go see Castle of Cagliostro, which I'd only seen once. It's his first movie. Uh, it's from the late 80s. It's extremely good and funny and fun. Uh, and Karen and I had previously seen one of these Phantom of Animals. It was great. Uh, so we went, Maggie and I saw this one, where unlike the previous times, they had a 15-plus minute introduction where John Lasseter is being introdu- interviewed by a film critic where they'd clearly not rehearsed any of it. So he's asking him, like, John, you said you've been really inspired by these films by Miyazaki. What about them did you like? And he's like, well, it's, they look really good, and the action's great, and it's really funny. Oh, well, what about, like, what in particular did you like about them? Well, the animation's fantastic, and some of the action in is really funny. Oh, yeah. And about 10 minutes into this, the guy's like, okay, well, you know, what, what else is there? And he's like, well, I don't want to spoil anything, because if you were coming into this, this is your first time seeing this, this is one of the best movies. But here's some of my favorite scenes in this movie coming out. <laughs> and he lays out, like, his favorite scenes and what order they appear in and some of his favorite characters and, like, the big twist at the end and how what a big surprise uh, that is. Jerk. And it's, like, this huge, hugely <laughs> long introduction where he's just, like, waxing poetic has not prepared anything they spoil a bunch of stuff at one point the interviewer asks him because he, he talks about how this movie is similar to raiders of the lost ark but it came out ahead, you know before that and he's like well you know steven spielberg do you think he was uh like had he seen this movie and was he in any way like um did he see this and, and like take things from it and he's like well i've met this uh, i've met spielberg I don't know. We've never talked about it <laughs> uh, it's like this is the stupidest worst thing i've ever seen so, General Lasseter, off my off my good list. Bone picked. Yes. He <laughs> talked about how he met his wife uh, through this movie. 
And then the guy's like, okay, well, you want to tell us the story? He's like, okay, well, we were at a party. We are both individually at this party, and that's how we met. And so then I took her aside and showed her clips from this movie. <laughs> and that was his story about how they met. I was like, what a, what a big dork. What I, need to, I need to, oh, wait, we're not done yet. No, I'm done. That's it. Screw you, that that, you were not plugging John Lasseter. No. <laughs> I haven't gotten around the movie. I just have to say, go to hell, John Lasseter. <laughs> I don't have anything to plug. Nicole, do you have anything you want to plug? Um... Sure, why not? Um, I really like TV, like an unhealthy amount. What? And yeah, I know, shocking. And I would like to encourage people to watch The Good Place if you haven't oh, seen yeah. it. Oh yeah, good job. Season one is all on Netflix, so you can totally catch up. It's only thirteen episodes; they're thirty minutes long. Super oh, great. Good. Season two just started. Definitely watch it. Um, and then if you like, I don't know how to describe them. I think I heard them described as. Um, Saturdays? I don't know. Whatever you describe like as a sad comedy. So like okay. Rick and Morty um, or... Bojack. Bojack or Bojack Horseman. Yeah. If you like that sad. kind of tone of a show, sort of smart and funny, but also <laughs> really sad, um, there's a show on FX. I think it's in its third or fourth season called You Are the Worst. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is very smartly written. It deals with um, issues like depression and things like that and a really and ptsd and like a really really smart interesting and funny way and i think everybody should watch it bill Eichner is great <laughs> <laughs> i i lied what? i do have something <laughs> what do you want to play uh, in fact i've already plugged this to many people including you i believe and she's every... looking at the dog <laughs> i'm looking at you <laughs> oh. um beautiful anonymous oh yeah it's a podcast Uh, It's hosted by Chris Gethard, and basically he gets an anonymous phone call. He doesn't know who he's going to be speaking to. They speak for exactly one hour, and then they're disconnected. And the the topics range. The last one I was listening to was very sad. It was a man who thinks his wife is not in love with him anymore, Mm. uh, but he is in love with her, and they've been together for 12 years, and they have four children. Uh, so it was a pretty sad one. That is sad. But they're not all sad. Are these all real things, or are these staged? 100% real. Okay. Uh, the people call in, they, they get the calls in a couple of different ways. They just uh, they just instituted a n- phone number where you can call and just leave a message, which is a new thing. And then the producers listen to the messages okay. and choose people. But you can also, he like tweets when it's time and people call in and they talk to producers and then they pick somebody for him mm-hmm. to talk to. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. It sounds interesting. Uh, I guess I'll plug, I'll give a, a medium plug, <laughs> uh, for Chapo, Chapo Trap House, just something I recommended to my mom and she did not care for it. Um, and I know that they're also super popular, so it's kind of a silly plug. Uh, Chapo Trap House are, it's a handful of guys, um, they're New York people, some of them are political people, some of them are not. Uh, they're basically all somewhere on the socialist end of the political spectrum um and they just generally they talk about the news they interview people it is very similar to the format of pod save america although they are um generally a lot meaner just generally uh they are not as good of hosts this is why it's a a medium plug they're not plug they're not as good of hosts they're not as funny guys they're not as charismatic uh it is really interesting to listen to them especially side by side with pod save america which is a podcast i really like because a lot of times they have criticisms about the Democrats that those criticisms are not heard or brought up on Pod Save America. And listening to them side by side is really interesting. 
Um, one of the episodes recently, they're talking about the healthcare debate because that's what's been going on. And they had a very long discussion with, I, I think it was Naomi Klein, um, about basically that they're, the Republicans and sort of the right-wing political groups in America are making this push that basically, well, healthcare is not a human right. Healthcare is something that you need to personally be responsible for. And if you don't have healthcare, that's your fault. I mean, that's kind of the push for some of these healthcare bills. And they're the chap, the left and left-wing groups are saying, well, healthcare is a human right. It should be universal healthcare should be something we're pushing for and we should be getting. And they have a lot of criticisms for the Democrat or the more centrist left people whose position is, well, yes, universal healthcare is great, but it's impractical, so we shouldn't have it. This idea that you should not ask for something impractical because uh, it's, you're not going to get it. And so your position should be basically a compromise from something that you want to start with, and the right wing is not doing that. And it was very interesting listening to that episode and then immediately listening to Love It or Leave It for that same week where they talked about healthcare, and two of his guests were like, Yeah, universal healthcare would be great, and I think it's a human right, and it would be really cool, but we should not be pushing, pushing for it, and I don't think we should have it because it's not going to be passed. And it's interesting to hear that criticism laid out in full and then immediately hear the thing they're criticizing about on a podcast where if I didn't have them side by side, I wouldn't get that perspective. And I, I enjoy it. I, say I, I like that perspective even if they're not as good hosts. <laughs> so that's my plug for the week. You can get it on an Apple Podcasts or whatever. All right. I need to say what movies we're going to watch next week. No, what are we watching next we're, week? Uh, I think this is going to be a great episode, actually. Uh-oh. Uh, we're going to have... Hopefully... You can undersell it. <laughs> I think this is going to be a great episode. My mom bought um, new technology. I did. I had to buy new technology because we're... If everything works out, we're going to have two special guests. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to watch a movie called Borderline. It's going to be our last silent movie. I, Ew. It didn't really need to be. It's made. It was made in 1930. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the technology existed for this movie not to be silent. So I don't know why it's silent. Uh, the other thing about it is it breaks one of our rules. It's not an American film. It's a German film. Um, but it has Paul Robeson in it, who is an important American figure okay. uh, he was an activist and also a very well-known a renowned singer uh, the movie is about interracial relationships and then the other movie we're going to watch is loving which i haven't seen and i'm really excited to see i know karen watched at least part of it already because <laughs> it was on netflix and who are the special guests the special guests <laughs> are uh, spots. Nicole, nicole's boyfriend james will be here and Jacob's girlfriend Karen uh, season one host yeah will be here she'll be back to talk about what's it like dating a white guy (laughs) 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 podcast over take all the cords out so I haven't asked you this and I I, Wait, who are you talking to? I'm talking to Nicole. I'm about oh, okay. to look You're at her. At the- <laughs> I know. It's usually you. I'm trying you. not to turn my head. Okay. Um, so, what race is James? James is white. He's Irish. Huh? Oh. oh, dangerous. Mm. <laughs> James, James is also much more conservative than I am. So. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah. And we understand he's a big, uh, big fan of sidekicks. Yes. Is that the one? No. Um, third Eye Saviors. Third Eye Saviors? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's our first fan. He's our first and biggest fan. Yeah. He deserves all our accolades. <laughs> so well, I'm great. super excited to read about Paul Robeson. 
uh, when I was in high school, I think I might have mentioned this before, when I was in high school we did a piece that he was famously known for singing, and I got to sing a solo in it. What was that? Can we hear a few bars? Uh, no. <laughs> on the spot, on the spot. No, but maybe I'll see if I can find a recording of it and oh, play a little bit of it. Okay, my mom was a singer, professionally for at some point. Professionally? Well, you were a singer, singing busboy. I was a singing busboy. That bus is boy. a professional singer. <laughs> that is or true. busser. Yeah. You're both a professional bus and a professional sing. <laughs> yeah. Well, as no. Jason from The Good Place would say, you are a professional amateur singer. That's right. <laughs> I think that does it. Yeah. Thanks for right. coming on here, Steve. Of course. Hey. I hope you had fun. Oh, yeah. I hope our audience had fun listening to you. I'm hoping we did, too. <laughs> <laughs> Tweet at us. Tell us how good Steve is. Or, or, or terrible. Terrible. We'll, we'll take either. Give us five stars. Yeah. Tell your friends about this show. Oh, and, and do go to the WordPress and read the blog about the drink and whatnot. Yeah. Read our read the tweets Tweet that, us. of Uncle John and talk about Leonard Nimoy. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> I think that episode 11 of season one was maybe one of our best episodes. That was the women... Four women directors. Women yeah. directors. At the time of this episode, it had just been released last week or two yeah, weeks or something. Yeah, last week. That was a fun one. I enjoyed it. Yay. The end! <laughs> Bye! Bye! Bye.